Just getting the podcast rolling on this selection special as well as we hit the record button. Uh, thank you for those who are tuning in after the fact on the podcast. We hope you will enjoy this as well if you missed the live show. We will probably be on the air for about five to five and a half hours talking about who may be in and who's out, who's automatically qualified for the NCAA tournament as well. We will try and pace ourselves, but there's no guarantees as we move along. If you've got questions for us, and we know there are plenty of questions for us, you are more than welcome to tune in. Um, or to chime in with us via Twitter, Facebook, email are our most popular three and easiest. You can also do it on the video streams that are going on as well, including Mr. Ira, who says, hello, David, 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 you know, you love this day. It's like Christmas Eve for D3 hoops. It's funny. You're the second person who has made that reference to me in the last hour and a half. It is like Christmas Eve, and we are uh, geared up and ready to go. And wow, already a lot of you tuning in. Thank you very much. Again, scrolling on the bottom of your screen, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And plenty, plenty more. Um, to keep our computer somewhat sane, we are referencing our email on a different computer, so if there is a delay in that, please bear with us. Not only will we do mock selections tonight, but we will also conduct interviews tonight with a lot of those who have already punched their ticket. Nobody that isn't at large. It's too difficult to sometimes pull those off. But we will talk to a lot who have automatically punched their way into the NCAA tournament. The schedule is long, and some of these interviews will actually take place while we're doing mock selections Reason being, it gives us a chance, and you'll hear me say this often, to do selections behind the scene, um, not necessarily bore you with us going through all the details, while at the same time giving us a chance to hear from more coaches. If we did all of it without covering anything up, it'd be a really long show. Then we might take away from hearing from coaches. We don't want to do that either, or programs especially, so we're balancing it out. Here's what we've got on tap. We will hear in a few minutes from Josh Leffler, the number 16 Johns Hopkins men's basketball coach. They went on the road and beat Swarthmore for the Centennial Conference Championship, including beating FNM in the semifinals. Kerry Jenkins will join us from Oberlin Women's Program. They get the win after Wittenberg upset DePaul in the NCAC. We'll talk to Moundmouth men's basketball coach. They take the Midwest Conference title, something that we've used to being hearing from St. Norbert, but Monmouth. With the big win. Lebanon Valley upset Albright in the MAC Commonwealth Championship in men's basketball. We will talk to Brad McAllister about their entry back into the NCAA tournament. We will also talk to the ODAC winning men's basketball program. Uh, that game ongoing still. We'll check in on that one in just a bit. They're always the last one to wrap up, either men's or women's, as they alternate this year, men's. We'll talk to the winning coach. Then during our mock selections, we will hear from Tim McDonald from Cabrini, Dale Wellerman from Nebraska Wesleyan. We'll also hear from Carrie Harvey Cutter from the city of Salem. And during our women's selections, Megan Howard, uh, Howie, Carol LaHaye, Ruth Sin, and Alex Lang from Stevens, Randolph Macon, St. Thomas, and Brooklyn, respectively. We will have a crew via Skype for the men's and then women's selections. Myself, Ryan Scott, and Bob Quillman will be joining us for the men's selections. And on the women's side, it'll be myself, Gordon Mann, James Wagner, and B.J. Spiegelmeyer from The Sales joining us to break it all down. Uh, lots of questions. First one on Twitter says, 
What does Ripon College stand for in at large with season sweep of St. Norbert's and a big win over Oshkosh? I don't believe Whip Ripon. I assume we're talking. Oh, we might be talking women in that case. Um, and we're going to have to figure that out. I, I don't think they're going to have a chance, to be honest. I think they're going to get buried uh, is just my initial thought. A reminder how this all works. So we have our th- week three regional rankings. And we can look through them. For example, in the Ripon case, we can go to the West and notice they're not regionally ranked at all on the women's side. And we can go to the West and see they're not even regionally ranked on the men's side. Automatically, even if they were to jump into the rankings, no matter what, Ripon's not going to be in a position to get in that large. Yeah, they swept St. Norbert, and that's certainly impressive. And they got a win over Oshkosh. But I don't think they enter the conversation to get in that large with their resume. The regional committee's already met earlier today. They have done their regional rankings, and they did them with caveats because a lot of uh, conference championships, Skyline was still going on today, uh, the WIAC was going on today, the ODAC and some others, uh, the SCAC off the top of my head. Um, so they do their what-ifs. If X wins, then this is our rankings. If Y wins, then this is our rankings. If Z wins, here's our rankings, etc. They then go to the National Committee. The National Committee makes any adjustments, as they always do, if they need to. Then the National Committee will rerun the results versus regionally ranked opponents regarding last week's, week three, and this Sunday, today, week four's regional rankings. That will bring the results versus regionally ranked numbers to the end, so we don't have a gap of a week of, of, of results. Brings it all the way to the conclusion, and they will re-rank in those rankings, the National Committees only, not the regional committees. Their work is done. The National Committee will re-rank yet again, if necessary, to finalize the rankings for selection. So that is how that all works. We will try, and I know there was a joke on Twitter, is how soon we would see this or hear this word. We will try and glean what those those rankings may have been. They will be released to the public um, after the brackets are announced tomorrow. However... We usually try and figure out what the rankings may be to help us with selections. If we are unable to get that information, we will do our best to re-regionally rank ourselves, making any adjustments we think may have happened, um, and go from there with our selections. A reminder, men's bracket will be announced on Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That's when it will will appear. And at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time will be the women's bracket announcements. You can get all that information and follow up the data at d3hoops.com. When we are um, done with the men's selections tonight, um, Ryan will probably go behind the scenes and with others try and bracket up. We may get a little taste of that bracket by the end of the show, depending on how he does and how we do with the women's selections as well. Um, we will do our best to give you an idea who we think is in and out. We will give you our, our best guesses. We will also go through and do our due diligence. Remember, we've already warned you that we may not be all that accurate this year. A couple of years ago, we nailed the men's picks, which was pretty outstanding. Last year, we missed one on each side, I think. Um, I think this year is going to be harder. Um, I think the committee is reading the data a little bit differently. Of course, we can't go very much longer without no- mentioning that Whitman is no longer undefeated. Whitworth defeated them in the conference championship game. Both teams are going to get in anyway. Um, Though apparently some controversy on whether that shot was off before the buzzer. I didn't watch it live. Uh, I didn't have the opportunity yesterday. Uh, And the one picture I've seen of it is very fuzzy, so it's very hard to determine. But nonetheless, 
Uh, Whitman is no longer undefeated, and I had told you nobody was. I didn't think anybody would get to the NCAA tournament undefeated. I do think Whitman went longer than I thought they would. I thought they would lose to Whitworth earlier in the season. Uh, Wash, you also lost to Chicago, and Wittenberg lost. So <laughs> voters tomorrow are going to have their hands tied when it comes to the top 25 on the men's side. Uh, what do I think of St. Olaf's chances uh, to, if they get in that large bid? Good win over St. John's, Stevens Point, August, uh, Augsburg, and Bethel. I think St. Olaf's got a good chance on the men's side of getting in, though we'll certainly figure that out at a later date. Um, could St. Joseph's of Maine be a host site for the women? I don't think so, no. Uh, I think um, that Northeast hosts are going to be Tufts and Amherst. I don't think St. Joseph's leaps up in front of them. And if anything, I don't know if they can leap ahead of Bowdoin either. Um, I know they've won. I know Tufts lost, but Tufts lost in the championship game to Amherst. I don't think that's going to hurt Tufts. Uh, Bowden lost to Tufts. Bowden might slip behind St. Joseph's, but I kind of doubt it. But no, I don't think St. Joseph's get a bid, but or, uh, a hosting opportunity. But at the same time, I, I might be surprised. Um, trying to see if there's anything else quickly on the questions. I know we got a couple via email. One was, did Randolph Macon men hurt themselves um, of an at-large? I'm sorry, of hosting because they lost the first round of the ODAC. I think Randolph Macon hurt themselves of getting into the tournament altogether. Says any teams in the Virginia area that may host next Friday, Saturday. Uh, ben, I would say um, Randolph Macon women might host, believe it or not. Um, Christopher Newport men might host, maybe it might host. Um, it's off the top of my head. I'm not sure. Maybe I don't think anybody else. Um, Lawrence asks, East host sites. Are you talking about potential sites on the show? Uh, we will try to, but we talk more about selections than we do bracketing. The brackets will come out later this evening on D3Hoops.com, and that's where we'll talk about hosts more likely. Uh, quick check of our... Where did my stream go here? Did I close it? I couldn't have closed it. Hold on, folks. Just trying to call up uh, our broadcast, which I may have inadvertently closed. Well, that would... No, here it is. Uh, see if there's any questions from you. Uh, hello to Dane, Dave, Dean, Allen, and Justin. Dave asked, Mascac champ, Bridgewater State men. Yes, we do know that, Dave. Thank you. Justin, Swe Justin says, scrap all the potential team teams questions. The only important question that needs to be addressed is what time does Pat Coleman come on my screen tonight? He won't. He wasn't here last year either there, Mr. Sweeney. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Johns Hopkins will get things rolling for us as we talk to the Blue Jays about making the NCAA tournament on the men's side. Uh, again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. This Hoopsville show... Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. And we will have plenty to talk about tonight. We'll be back with more. Josh Leffler joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline when we come back. You're watching Hoopsville. Back with a full show when we return. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. 
My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we get rolling along on this Selection Sunday special. A reminder for the first hour or so of this show, we will be doing interviews with automatic qualifiers, uh, live interviews with those automatic qualifiers who have qualified for the tournament. We will start our men's selections at about 6.30 Eastern time. That's about 6.30 Eastern time, depending on the ODAC champion and when we can slide them into the show. And then after that will be the women's. We figure about 90 to minutes to two hours to do each selection process, which is less time than the committee does, but we're going to cut some corners, and we hope we can uh, still do our due diligence. But uh, we will go the other side of that. Uh, we've been doing work all day anyway, but um, then we'll do the women's selection. So if you're tuning in for those things, just be advised. A couple uh, coaches first, and then um, uh, men's selections, then women. Real quick note, if you noticed on Twitter, we got a new uniform to hang in the studio. John Carroll sent us a num uniform, and with the great number, I don't know if they did their research or not, but that's the right number if you're if you know myself very well. We will find a spot, most likely right over there, down on my right-hand side along our door. Uh, to hang that hopefully in time for tomorrow's selection special bracket shows for the NCAA and most importantly we will then um, we're, we're part of the NCAA bracketing shows but then we'll also have our bracket um, special after that coming up at about 3 15 p.m eastern time tomorrow we'll talk to both committee chairs let's waste less time and get on to the next topic one of the teams that qualified for the NCAA tournament uh, here uh, today um, or really yesterday, we should say, was the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays went up to Swarthmore and beat Franklin and Marshall on um, on uh, Friday night and then did a pretty solid job of, of turning around and beating uh, Swarthmore to win the championship themselves uh, the very next day. 
joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsaw Hotline. An interview we had in the preseason. First-year head coach Josh Leffler talks about his Blue Jays and Centennial Championship. Coach, thanks for taking the time, and congratulations. Thanks so much, Dave. Uh, it's, uh, it's always nice coming on here as a... Uh, as an automatic uh, qualifier, not having to sweat it out. So <laughs> exactly, it's, uh, it's nice to be here. <laughs> Twenty-three and four this season. I, you guys did a really nice job. I was talking to somebody uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at a function that you and I were both at, and they made a mm-hmm. comment to me that I, that I, I guess it hadn't really sunk into me. When Bill Nelson left, it wasn't one of those scenarios where he necessarily left the cupboard dry. He left a lot of talent behind. Um, and a lot of people were impressed with what you were able to do because any first-year coach is going to struggle with a program because everyone's got to get used to new ways of doing things. You guys really seemed to hit your stride early. You had a little bit of a rough spot in the middle of the season, but then got the conference schedule underway and really just kind of stayed under the radar and played well right to the end. Yeah, you know, I think I've been fortunate with both my uh both my jobs as a division three head coach to walk into situations where the previous coach left a good roster, um, and the administration and support network were really good. Um, you know, Bill's a, a division three coaching, you know, mainstay and, and a guy who I couldn't say anything more, uh, positively about he, he's a wonderful person and, and he did a great job for a long time at Johns Hopkins. And, the administration and uh, the players who we have on our roster, uh, it was a terrific situation to walk into. Yeah, certainly. I think anybody would have had success, but what was it that you were able to get out of the team and how were you able to get them to switch philosophies offensively, defensively, and whatnot that got you guys so successful that you could go and win the first five games out of the gate and now be on a 13-game winning streak to close the regular season? I think... You know, I, I look, I look at it as a function of the the type of kids on your roster. You know, uh, you could inherit a team that has a lot of talent, but maybe has uh, personalities that aren't willing to listen or uh, even consider new ways of doing things. And I think that we have an incredible situation with our upperclassmen, especially our two seniors. You know, we have Kyle Doran and Jesse Flannery. And I, I just can't imagine a situation where, you know, there would be two better, two better. There might be two kids as good, but I can't imagine two kids who would be better uh, to walk into as your as your senior co-captains in terms of getting everybody on the same page and and demanding excellence from everybody from the from the jump this year, and you know, really making sure that everything from top to bottom was aligned. And I think from there, it really fell into place with the rest of the team. And we have a nice mix of some really good upperclassmen in our junior and senior classes and, and underclassmen who have been uh, big contributors. But I, I think the biggest thing is that I was fortunate enough to walk into a situation with two seniors and a terrific junior class who are just incredibly willing workers, incredibly dedicated players, and competitors to the highest degree. It's fascinating to see how this team evolved this season. you got three guys in double figures and four nearly in scoring. Michael Gardner leading the way at 14.5 points a game. Kyle Duran at 13, almost 14 points a game. Connor uh, Delaney at, at 11. Uh, Joey Kern at 9.2. 
you know, you mentioned Jesse uh, Flannery. Uh, he doesn't jump out at you at on the stat sheet necessarily, but he's. I know he's one of those guys that is certainly important on the defensive end of things. Got a lot of depth to some degree, and 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 I and I don't mean this in the way that it may come across, but I, I'm not that surprised you got smart players at Hopkins. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It, I, I know. I know what you're saying. I know, there's not always a, a one-to-one correlation between. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, book IQ and basketball IQ, but we have guys who have both, and that's it's it's very nice to work with. What is what's been the secret then of the season? I mean, you you aren't a program necessarily blowing teams out of the water, um, but you're also keeping them low scoring. Sixty two points a game is what you're giving up while scoring seventy three. You're shooting pretty decently, that is for sure. But you guys aren't flash. Um, it's not like you can sit there and, and target one guy and say, that's the reason they're being successful this season. What's been the magic? What's been the secret that's worked so well? I think we, I, I think we compete really hard. I, that's going to sound like the, the most basic cliche of all time, Dave, but we're still having really, you know, competitive, hotly contested practices mm. last Wednesday, you know, like, <laughs> couple of my guys i thought like we might have to stop this drill they, they might they might take it a step to you know and i i know that sounds like some i don't know if it's a, if it's something that you can really say is what carries a team but when you're 67 68 practices deep into a year and guys still care about winning a five minute drill segment mm-hmm. i i think you, you give yourself a chance and I, I think we just have a lot of those guys i think we have a lot of guys who don't like to lose and you know they they have put in a lot of work and i think they had as good a fall as i've been around uh in terms of just being in the weight room in the gym uh all the time you know you just saw guys walking in and out of the building all the time and and then we put in a i think a solid yeoman's effort throughout the year and i think they've gained confidence because they've demonstrated success so I think they really compete hard, and I think they believe in themselves. And maybe it's that simple. You had a weird stretch, seven-game stretch between December 6th and January 11th, where you lost to Franklin and Marshall, then you beat New Jersey City about three weeks later. Then you lost to Christopher Newport the next day, beat Goucher College. We don't need to discuss that. Lost to Sinus, <laughs> then beat Dickinson, and then lost to Swarthmore. It was this back-and-forth thing that you guys had going on. Um, and obviously, F&M and Swarthmore, you ended up coming back and avenging those losses at the end of the season. Um, unfortunately not for home court advantage, but at least to keep the momentum going. But what was it during that seven-game stretch that was, maybe I'm reading it wrong, but was off that needed to get turned back on? Well, I think some of it was we had to improve, but some of it can be explained by it's really hard to beat Glenn Robinson in Lancaster. Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, It's it's really hard to beat John Krikorian in Newport News. Yeah. It's it's really hard to beat Landry Kozmalski in in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, and uh, Kevin Small's been to a Final Four at Sinus. So, you know, yeah, you had a, you had a, a tough tough stretch. That's a that's a tough stretch <laughs> of the schedule, and you know we played New Jersey City and Christopher Newport without Kyle Doran. Mm. Um, he was injured, so you know that the New Jersey City win I think is really a, a great demonstration of how democratic our team is really. Like you said, there's no flash about this is your guy. You know, Doran went down and we found a way to beat a very good and very well coached New Jersey city team. 
and we just didn't have it as well the next day against Christopher Newport, who's terrific. Um, you know, and at certain points in there, we played four games in seven days, and that's, you know, that's a really good stretch. Uh, Swarthmore, Dickinson, Ursinus, those are well-coached, good teams, and I, I think that we were still growing as a team, mm-hmm. but I'll give a lot of credit to our opponents during that stretch. Those are very good programs, and I think playing in those games and addressing some issues that we saw as we played teams that ended up at the top of our league, you know, Swarthmore ties us for the championship. F and M finishes one below and her sinus is fourth. So Dickinson's fifth. So this is my first time as a head coach in the Centennial conference and just getting to see, Oh, this is what they're going to do against us. And our guys getting to see, this is what we did well. This is what they did well. This is what we need to get better. Yeah. I think going through that helped us to come out on the other end with a much clearer picture of here's where we are. Here's where we want to go. Here are some ideas of how we're going to get there, gentlemen. And I think that was a huge a huge part of our season because it allowed us to identify problems and, and hopefully correct them. Before I let you go, the other interesting thing is, first off, you did beat Landry Kozmowski at, at Swarthmore just the other night, just 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 for the record. You, were you able to do that uh, to win the Centennial Championship? But if no one knows, you're a Swarthmore grad. How odd was it to be celebrating a Centennial Conference Championship with your team on your former floor? You know, I didn't I didn't think about it in the moment. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I, sure. I was so – it's such an emotional and a visceral experience to play in big games and to coach in big games. And it, for those who don't know anything about our team, you know, we were not – we were not picked highly in the preseason. Mm-mm. We were um, – you know, four, we were thought five? of – we were picked five. Yeah. yeah, we were picked five. And and they're, they're – stick-to-itiveness and their daily approach is contagious and they're an amazing group to work with um i hope they're not listening because i don't want to <laughs> flatter them too much but oh they are <laughs> they they play so hard and give so great an effort that it was so unbelievably rewarding to be a part of that last night that i could have been playing on the moon and i don't <laughs> think i would have registered it was just being present in the moment with those guys who this is all they wanted. They wanted to win a conference championship. They, yeah. they, they wrote it down. This is what they wanted. They said, we can do it. And they did it. And the administration is there and football coaches drove up and the track team came over from her sinus. And, <laughs> you know, when you're in a situation like that, it, you know, it, all the other stuff fades away. It's about the people who are in that basketball family and that Johns Hopkins family right there. And it was an amazing moment to celebrate with everyone um, in our Blue Jay community. It was, it, it was, it was wonderful. Well, congratulations, coach. Certainly a tremendous uh, season in your first year at Hopkins. And uh, I know you're looking forward to playing in the NCAA tournament. Heck, there's even an outside chance you could be at home, uh, which I know you'd love to have at Goldfarb. Uh, as always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? 
Well, you might not remember this, but the last time I called in on Selection Sunday was when I was at Stevens. Do you Holy remember that? Cow, yeah, you know, I yeah. I do now. Oh, that you remember, was a while you remember, ago. You remember, you guys, you guys used to uh, broadcast the selection that Sunday yeah, night. We did, and You're we right. we had lost in the semis of the skyline, and we weren't sure if we were going to get in. I guess since then you've decided not to torture head coaches who are at large <laughs> uh, candidates. But at that time, you had me on. No, I still yeah, think about it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think it was you, me, and Pat, right? Yeah, and yeah, we, yeah. Uh, and we talked about what, what's going to happen, and I'm kind of like pleading my case as if anybody cares. You know <laughs> like, what I mean? like you can change it by that point. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, like I, I was 25. I thought I could probably, like, persuade some voters or something. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, and then they read – I don't know if you remember this. You said, Coach, if you, if you get in, call us back. Yes, I do and, remember that part. And they read off, you know, the selections and Stevens, ST, you know, they start getting down there and they start naming the SUNY schools, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And I just figure we're out, you know, we're out. And I didn't, it didn't register in my little pea brain that, uh, you know, State University of New York is STA. It comes with SD. And then they said Stevens and... You know, I'm jumping around my little studio <laughs> apartment in Hoboken. I got all my kids calling me on their old flip phones uh, who play for the Ducks. Uh, and then I called you, and it was like, you know, it was one of the greatest phone calls I've ever been on in my life because we had just kind of out of the blue, when we all thought we were out, we yeah. got in. Yeah. You know, so this is a better phone call, Dave, because I'm way more relaxed. <laughs> you know you're in. You know this is yeah. a slam dunk at this point in time. <laughs> I, I'm just here. I'm chilling, man. I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm hanging, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for some dinner or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's a way better phone call, but uh, it's just funny. I think that was 10 years ago. Yeah, you know? roughly. It might, it, might, it might be 11 at this point, but uh, it's, it's always good to be back on. You guys do a lot for, uh, as people know, you guys do, so much for Division Three hoops and Division Three sports in general, and I just want to say thank you and, and thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for coming on, and thanks for the return phone call to, uh, all those years ago as well. That was fun. <laughs> I do remember that vividly, actually. Yeah, um, good yeah. luck next weekend. I'll look forward to touching base with you down the road and uh, and enjoy it. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Here's Josh Leffler joining us from Johns Hopkins, 16th-ranked Blue Jays, on to the NCAA tournament. It's funny he brings that up. I ran into something, I think it was Stevens-related, regarding that. Um, That's when they would announce who was in on Sunday nights, but then not announce the brackets until Monday. Um, And I don't remember how we all went about it. Uh, There was one year where we did it for the NCAA, and then I think we took a conference call. I don't remember all the detail. It was a little weirder then. We've come a long way since then, but uh, congratulations. Yeah, Josh, Josh Leffler. Interesting enough, we'll have the Stevens women's coach on later in the program uh, as well to tie that all together. Coming up, we're going to talk women's basketball with the Oberlin's women's basketball coach, Kenny Jennings. He'll join us to talk about his squad in the Yeoman's uh, dance into the NCAA tournament. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we return. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, 
it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the program. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Reminder, we will be getting to selection starting on the men's side coming up in a little under an hour. Uh, and then we will get to the women's side as well. That is all still ahead. We are going to get to that stuff, but we want to talk to coaches who have uh, taken the guesswork out of all of this. Uh, previously, Johns Hopkins head coach uh, Josh Leffler joining us. I agree with Ira on the uh, on our YouTube stream. That was a terrific interview, to say the least. Now joining us is a team that, I, to be honest with you, have been flying under the radar the entire darn season. Um, mainly because when you're in the NCAC, the radar seems to be pinged and pegged on DePaul. Well, DePaul took an upset to Wittenberg. So guess who ended up coming out of the NCAC women's side with the, with the uh, conference championship? No, not Wittenberg. If you weren't paying attention, it's Oberlin. Kerry Jennings and his squad, by the way, I said Kenny earlier. I don't know where I'm getting my mind going here, but Kerry Jennings and his squad pulled off, I guess, not the impossible, but they certainly took advantage of the opportunity presented to them. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, the Yeoman's head coach. Coach, congratulations, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. It's listen. I say under the radar because in reality, you end up winning twenty-one games this season, losing seven of them, and on all seven of those happened in the first half of the season, um, except for one. DePaul has your number. Well, they have everybody's number apparently. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just not even a conversation. But here's what jumped out at me: Wittenberg beats them, which obviously shocks everyone. You guys beat Wittenberg seventy-one thirty-nine. That's yes. that's a solid victory in the conference championship after beating them by seven just a couple of weeks ago. I, I, 
I think it's just a matter of, you know, it's basketball being basketball. Um, yeah. You know, leagues and teams are all about matchups and who you match up with. And, you mm. know, Witt- Wittenberg matched up very well to Paul. Um, they played a great game. Uh, they made a lot of shots, but we matched up very well with Wittenberg. Um, I think they, I think honestly, uh, they were a little bit flat after their big sure. victory over DePaul. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the emotion going into that, but you know, it, it is what it is, and we took advantage of it and, and, and played a really good game. So I'm happy for the squad, and I'm proud of what we did. Apparently, I'm making up all kinds of names for you, Coach. Um, I, I appreciate <laughs> okay. you humoring me. It is Kerry Jenkins, everybody out there. Yeah. I've, I've said Kenny Jennings. I've said Kerry Jennings. I think I've said Kerry Jenkins. I, I, we can make. I don't know. We're just going to go with the flow here, right? We'll get to. The, we'll get to it. It's yeah, okay. I mean, it's it's in the grand scheme of things, we're talking about your team. So who cares about you, yes. right? No, I am totally kidding. Um, uh, be honest with me. Wittenberg knocks off DePaul. How much are you sitting there going, okay, thank you? <laughs> well, I'll be, I mean, I can't be honest. I can't be honest. You're sort of looking at it like, well, you know, the universe is looking out for us <laughs> a, little, <laughs> a, a little bit. Um, you know, we would have played whoever we had to play at that moment. But with all things being considered equal, like we looked at it and we were, we were definitely confident going into the game. I mean, Wittenberg is a tremendous team. Um, we had, you know, but we had scored a couple of victories over them during the regular season. And then going to the final uh, with DePaul not being there, the team felt confident. The team felt good, and and like I said, we played. We just played a great game uh, the last game of the uh, conference tournament. Well, you certainly played well a lot of the season too, because again, we talked about most of those losses coming in the first half. Right. Mount Union right. tripped you in the first game. Trine, another really good team, <laughs> held you to thirty-two uh, in the fourth game of the season. Illinois Wesleyan, another good team, beat you uh, at at the holiday break. Colorado College nipped you. And then Kenyon and DePaul. It's not like we're talking about bad teams here. Right. Um, and that's why I feel like you've kind of flew a little bit under the, the radar to some degree. And, and maybe that was a benefit? And, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of it is, is, is philosophically what we do as a program. I mean, the early part of the season, we use it as like a uh, developmental tool. Um, you know, we play a lot of kids. Uh, we try to, try to get some depth out of our roster a little bit. Um, and at a certain point, we're like, okay, we know who we can, who we can go with and uh, who's going to sort of be there and, and contribute. And then we just play basketball. So you're not really making up any excuses, but uh, it's easy for us to find the radar early because, like, I have a little bit of a different agenda than most coaches. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, gotta, I have to play some kids early just so they get the experience and are able to contribute late. And, mm-hmm. and that got some losses early. But once we decided we were ready to play, we were ready to play. Yeah, you guys went on a long winning streak uh, in between DePaul losses, let's call it. But you also right. played them tight. You lost by 13, 53-40 back in mid-January. In mid-December, or mid-February, you, you, you lost by 10. It's not like right. you were out of that mix. It almost feels like the NCAC race was maybe a little bit better than we all were appreciating in the middle of the season. I think so. I mean, Chris Huffman and her squad, I mean, Chris Huffman has, has, has made every coach in the NCAC better. Um, and we and and they are a tremendous team, and and uh, you you have to bring your A game every time you play them. But I, I think I think the I think the games were a little bit closer, were a little bit better, and then maybe the outsiders might expect them to be. And and uh, we we felt confident uh, heading into the conference tournament. Certainly, we knew we were going to have to play well, but it didn't matter if we were playing Whitworth or if we were, if we were playing DePaul. We knew we were going to have to uh, play well. I think honestly, our game versus Wittenberg was a byproduct of us gearing up and getting ready to play DePaul <laughs> during the during the tournament. So I think our kids really brought their best game uh, versus Wittenberg and expecting to play DePaul at that moment. 
Let's talk about your squad. You're led by Alex uh, Stepano, uh, yeah. nearly 14 points a game, four rebounds a game. Olivia Canning uh, is second on the team at 12 points a game, seven rebounds, nine and a half for Abby Andrews at seven rebounds as well. Uh, your top assist is uh, Tyler uh, Parler, but Allie yeah. Driscoll gets involved in that in that game as well. A um, lot of options. Shoot pretty well for the floor as a team. Uh, your outside shooting's not all that, but your free throw shooting's pretty solid. You out rebound your opponents, and most importantly, you outscore your opponents. Yes. Um, I know you'd probably love to clean up the outside shooting to some degree, but is this game for you guys a little bit more about the inside play anyway? It is. We're a big team. I yeah. mean, we're a big team. It's by design. Like so, you know, we sort of run. Um, you know, we're sort of the antithesis of uh, basketball in 2018. Everything's about small ball and uh, the three-point shot, but we're not at all. We we have uh, I have five players over six feet on my team, and so we pound the ball inside and we go inside. So some of it, our, our numbers, especially perimeter shooting, are a little bit deceptive uh, because it, it seems like we're not shooting that well from the outside, but mm-hmm. we really don't take that many shots from the outside. Uh, you know, we, we essentially have one player, uh, who is a who is a consistent threat from the outside, and we have a couple players who are like set shooters from the outside. But we're going inside, mm-hmm. and we're going inside all day. And we're going all in, inside for for the entire game, and so that's that's who we are, and, and we don't sort of fight it, and uh, we just that's what's been successful for us the whole year. We just stay with it, um, game in and game out. So what we've been burying is a lead for the whole time here. Is this is the first NCAC title for Oberlin women's basketball? It's the first time that they're going to the NCAA tournament. Those are two huge milestones for a program that, uh, for lack of a better description, wallowed in single-digit victories for a long time True. Um, as a program. You've yeah. really helped turn this program in a different direction, and this is one heck of a way of making a statement and an appearance in the first time in the NCAA tournament. Oh, absolutely. It's been, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I've had to stay patient, and I've had to stay sort of like persistent in that uh, it was about four or five years ago. I got a couple of players who, um, you know, I knew were going to enable us to to be competitive at the highest level. And, and you win a few games. And when you win a few games, you get a couple of more mm-hmm. players, and you get a couple of more players. <laughs> so, like in the end, it was really about three years ago where I was like, okay, I had a group of freshmen and sophomores that I really invested time and effort and energy into just letting them play and, and sort of like in, investing them and letting them develop and it, it's paying off. And so coming into this year, to be honest with you, I was, I was fairly confident. I was, I was fairly, um, uh, you know, I was just confident that this was the group and this was the time to sort of make that leap. And, and, and it's paid off. I mean, they've, they've done a tremendous job. I have a great group of players, a great group, a great roster, great coaching staff. And it, it you know, it, it's, it's been fun to watch. It's just magical when it all comes together. Well, Oberlin was just certainly known for its athletic or academics. Um, maybe doesn't jump off the sheet for people athletically. You guys have certainly changed that conversation, and I congratulate you for that. Thank um, you so much. Congratulations on the NCAC championship, and welcome to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> uh, I always have to be careful. Um, right. As always, we give the coach the final word on this show. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, it's it's an honor to be here, and I appreciate you taking time to speak to uh, myself and talk a little about our team. We're we're so excited to be here. Um, it's been it's been it's. I, look, I'm just going to say this one thing. Like it's it's it would be easy for people to perceive what we did as lucky, but it wasn't luck at all. Mm-hmm. Like they, my players and and the program have worked really really hard and in investing a lot of time and effort uh, into being competitive. And I'm so proud of what we've done, and I'm so proud of them 
as a coach. And I'm, I'm just excited. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter who we play. It doesn't matter who's across from us. We're, we're, we're excited to be here and it's been a great season. Well, congratulations again. Uh, enjoy the ride at the very least. And we'll look forward to seeing who you're playing tomorrow and, and see what you can do next weekend. Thank you. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate being here. Thank you for taking time to speak with me. Thank you, Coach. Take care. Kerry okay, Jenkins bye. joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline again. Oberlin dancing in the NCAA tournament representing the NCAC. DePaul will be there as well. Uh, they finished the regular season 21-7. and They were 13-3 and in that conference race. Hats off to them, to say the least. Going to take another break. When we come back, we will head out and talk to Monmouth men's basketball. They represent... The uh, Midwest Conference, that's different for that conference as well. We'll talk to them and how they are enjoying the dance so far. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we keep rolling along on this Selection Sunday special. Reminder, coming up in about 45 minutes' time, we will get going on the men's selections, uh, and then the women's selections will follow. We uh, have a few guests still to come. Uh, talking Mountaineth men's basketball here now, we'll then talk to Lebanon Valley men's basketball coach Brad McAllister coming up, and then the ODAC, um, uh, the ODAC winner on the men's side hopefully will be coming up shortly after that. Uh, keeping a track of that, it is a final. Emory and Henry over Roanoke, 72-70.
ending a heck of a run by Roanoke. Uh, they had won something like 11 straight games. Uh, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, 11 straight games entering that one, but Emory and Henry gets a victory. So we'll be talking to their head coach. Um, that will be David Wilson coming up here shortly. Uh, but as we mentioned, talking Monmouth men's basketball, the team won the Midwest Conference uh, title. They were the number one seed going in. Uh, St. Norbert has been the team we normally talk about in that conference, and Rippon had a pretty good season as well. But Todd Skrithsas' team played pretty darn good basketball. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline to talk about how good that season was and continues to be is Coach Todd Skrithsas. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Yes, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, I appreciate you taking it, like I said. So a 20-7 and season, nothing to shake a stick at. In a Midwest conference that has been dominated by St. Norbert for the last four, geez, what, five, six-some-odd years. Um, Ever since I've been at Monmouth. So. Well, there we go. <laughs> That's easy. Um, yep. You guys got, took advantage of a, of a St. Norbert squad that, that wasn't as strong as, as it had been in a little bit of, an, of a topsy-turvy conference. Um and and not only finished on top for the season, a game up, but you took advantage of that and made sure you got the victory at home. And it includes one heck of a finish this season. You guys have won nine straight. Yeah, we've been play, playing really well here um, here late. You know, we went through a, a little bit of a rough stretch uh, right when we came back from Christmas break. We'd lost two starters in the same week mm -hmm. and had to figure out a way to replace 54 minutes of our rotation. <laughs> um and you know we dropped four out of five, but ever since that, um, since that point, we've uh, really played some good basketball. Well, one of those guys you lost was Lamont Mitchell, who had 14 points a game uh, and six rebounds a game. That's a lot of you know besides minutes uh, contributions. But Justin Luva at 15, almost 16 points a game, and Will Jones at 15 and a half points a game certainly stepped up this season. Uh, and including also guys like DJ Swift and, and Justin Barton or Barterton. How do Batterton, you yep. Batterton, I apologize. How do you adjust to that though? I mean, you lose a guy like Mitchell who's double figures in 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 scoring in all of those minutes. You got to go into the bench pretty darn quick and get guys to play time that they haven't been used to. Yeah, and 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 we did. Our freshman class um um has provided a a huge boost to our program this year. Um two of those guys see significant time. Uh you mentioned DJ Swift. Uh, but Stefan Bobbitt um, has played very well for us, and he 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 really answered that next man up uh, call when we needed him, and and has played good basketball for us. Well, everybody seems to be playing good basketball this season. You did have kind of fits uh, at some points. You, games three and four against Whitewater and Eureka, uh, losing both of those close. Uh, Whitewater got you by sixteen, but Eureka got you by a point, a really high scoring affair. Then you had a weird. You kind of came back from Christmas break and didn't seem to have your legs under. You lost four or five, including three in a row, to Dubuque, Loris, um, Lake Forest, Lawrence. You got the win over and then losing to Ripon. Was that just, again, you talk about the injuries and adjustments. Mm -hmm. Was it that, but was it also coming back from a long break, as we see from a lot of teams? Uh, you know, I think it was more, uh, we, we kind of had to rediscover ourselves. You know, we as a coach, when you are comfortable with your rotation, um, you know that that's a really good thing. And and we had to figure out our rotation again. Um, you know, being minus our starting point guard, and and then you uh, Austin Holman, and then losing Lamont Mitchell. Um, that that was it took us some time to adjust. And 
We also had to play on the road against some quality teams, um, and you know I, we were competitive. We they were all close close losses, so I knew we'd be okay. Um, and it was nice uh, when we were able to beat uh, St. Norbert at home. Uh, that kind of really, I thought, uh, provided a lot of fuel for our our team uh, and and the way we played down the stretch here. What it was the conference like? Grinnell seems to be a team that under Arsenal Jr. is tweaking what they do, doing it a little bit differently. So I think they, they've presented a different challenge. St. Norbert was a little off their game. Rippon had come storming back into the thing or into the conference race. What was the conference schedule like this year? It was a, it, it, I, our conference is a good conference. I mean, there was a number of quality teams um, in our league this year. And, you know, we – we knew there was there was no uh, easy nights um, in the Midwest Conference. We had to come ready to play every night, and you know it's just a testament to our guys that uh, um, they showed that type of consistency uh, throughout the season. Um, Lake Forest had a, had had a really nice year. Um, the, you know the the four teams that qualified for our conference tournament uh, were all quality teams. Yeah, that's that's I think the difference is the Midwest Conference seems to be getting deeper now. Uh, it used to be really mm-hmm. top heavy. Um, mm-hmm. Again, Grinnell was thirteen and eleven. Uh, Lake Forest was seventeen and nine. Ripon eighteen and seven. Again, it, it, it's getting more competitive, and you've got to be enjoying that. No, no question, no question. Uh, you know, I've always been familiar. I, I played in the Midwest Conference when when I was back at Coe College, yeah. and then um, was always, you know, when I was up as an assistant at Whitewater. Um, you know, we we get to see a lot of those teams uh, in our non-conference schedule, so it's it's been interesting to watch the league develop. And and like you said, I think there's uh, a lot of depth to our league, um, and uh, I, I I foresee that continuing um, in the years to come. So you get there in 2011, and you guys have had some rough stretches: seven and 16 a couple times, six and 17. Then you pop out to a 16 and eight season, then a 13 and 10, and then back to a six and 17, which is fouled by this year's 20 and seven. How did you guys make such a drastic turnaround in such a quick yeah. time frame? Sure, you know um, we lost 10 games last year by an average of 3.3 points. Um, so it it was a it was a rough season. Um, it was a frustrating year, uh, but the guys that we had in our program really stuck together. And you know they they could have very easily splintered, but uh, I think it's a testament to the type of people they are uh, that they stayed together. Uh, we were able to increase the depth of our program, which which we really needed um, with our freshman class and. Uh, you know our practices have been much, much more competitive, and and um, you know that that added depth really propelled us this year. Yeah, it's certainly been an impressive season. You guys get into the home court advantage, which I think was also key. You played a lot of home games in the end. How much was that a factor? Just looking in, you know, mid, you know, geez, even mid January on, uh, I see what maybe four, five road games out of about ten or twelve games that that had to have a major factor. Oh, there's no question. And to be honest with you, when we I think five out of our six, um, five out of our first six games were on the road in yeah. conference. And and for us to be able to survive that stretch, I think we were, we ended up going five and one in that stretch. I mean that that was huge. And because we knew, you know, our 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 uh, schedule is kind of. Uh, loaded on the back end with those home games, that that might definitely play a factor in it down the stretch. 
Yeah, you played. Yeah, we, a... we got tremendous support from our student body and yeah. and our community, and um, just a unbelievable atmos- atmosphere here this weekend. Ten of fourteen um, was the uh, home stretch in the end. There, first time since nineteen ninety that Monmouth heads off to the NCAA tournament. First time they win a Midwest Conference since nineteen ninety. D3hoops.com didn't exist then. It wasn't even an idea. <laughs> I don't think the internet existed back then. Um, I'm still in high school, so. Yes, yeah, so was I, um, which makes me actually feel good. Um, well, no, maybe that makes me feel old. Um, how, what's the reaction been on campus? What, and I know it's not been a ton of time to, to process it all, but what's, what's been the reaction like so far? A lot of excitement. You know, Monmouth has a, has a rich tradition in men's basketball. Um, Terry Glasgow did a fantastic job here as a longtime coach um, and had, had a lot of success in uh, conference championships and CAA tournament bursts. But like you said, it's, it's, it's been a long time since, since that's happened. Um, you know, the, the, the student body's really gotten behind our team. Um, it's a, you know, we're a small campus, very, very uh, family oriented, and, and it's just great seeing how the, how the students support one another. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking about the team. Uh, very impressive uh, season, uh, not only to, to knock St. Norbert off of the regular season, but to, make, you know, to help knock St. Norbert off uh, in the postseason. I know he didn't directly play them, but he got the job done nonetheless. Uh, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, uh, I just you know I'd like to talk a little bit about my senior class. They've, yeah, they've done a tremendous job um, uh, this season, and it's it's just been neat to see these guys uh, you know close out their career with with some of the special moments that we've been able to experience. Um, quite frankly, all year, uh, you know, and, and it's good that we get to at least spend one more week together. Yeah, it is fun to spend one more week, isn't it, Coach? Uh, at least one more week. At least. Yep. Yeah, right. You're right. At least. We'll see how the bracket turns, and we'll see how you do next week. Thanks for taking the time. Good luck and enjoy it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Todd uh, Screveth. I, I do it all well until the right at the end. Screveth joins us on the show to talk about the Scots. Congratulations to Monmouth again. First time they're dancing in the NCAA tournament. Since 1990 on the men's basketball side. Look forward to seeing where they may send them. Uh, that's a team you can send to a lot of different places, um, if you're wondering. <laughs> uh, I could see them being sent to, um, well, maybe not Wash U, but that could, that's one area you could send them. You could send them to St. John's as well. We'll see where they go. But more importantly, the Scots are dancing. That's all that really matters. I'm going to take another break. When we come back, we'll come back to the Midwest or the Mid-Atlantic region. Lebanon Valley's back in the NCAA tournament after a long time. We haven't seen them, but they didn't get in the easy way. They had to earn it. The automatic bid went to Lab Val. We'll talk to them when we come back. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville and selections to come right here. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. 
When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we get ready for men's selections. They are coming up. In, we have a couple more guests to talk to. Uh, our plan is to talk right now to Lebanon Valley men's basketball, and then we hope to talk to the ODAC winner, Emory and Henry men's basketball coach Dave Wilson, all ahead here before we get into men's selections. A reminder, we'll be doing selections. Uh, we will not necessarily do bracketing. We may get an idea of what the men's bracket sounds like at the end of the women's selections. That's all still to come. We also have a number of interviews that we have uh, will air throughout those selections as well. That's all still ahead. I know there's a lot of you watching. We appreciate it on YouTube. There's several hundred of you. Thank you very much for your uh, time. We appreciate it. Um, and we're even simulcast on Facebook has quite a few people. We appreciate it as well. Excuse me. Uh, gonna So let's chat. Uh, Mac Commonwealth. Albright was certainly having a, a tremendous season. It was, once again, a tough conference. That's um, always tough, top to bottom. But Albright won the conference by two games over Lycoming, Lebanon Valley. And then there was Widener, Messiah, and Arcadia in a mess behind them, along with Alvernia. Um, Lycoming was the talk of the conference for a long time, Memory, as many might remember. Uh, certainly nationally ranked, but unfortunately lost six of their last seven games, including two to Lebanon Valley and one in overtime. In the conference semifinals, Lebanon Valley would take advantage of that and go and beat Albright, who also was having a good season, to win the MAC Commonwealth automatic bid. And for the first time in a while, we get to see Lebanon Valley in the NCAA tournament. I don't remember the last time we saw them there, but we'll find out because we can talk to their head coach. Brad McAllister joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And coach, congratulations and welcome back. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it very much. I'm trying to remember the last time you guys were in the tournament. The last time we chatted with you guys, it's been a little bit of a, of a lull here for uh, the squad. Yeah, the last time we were in, I think it was 0405 when I had J.D. Byers. Wow. Um, and so it was, it was, we were pretty good back then. And then one other time I thought we were 10-11, we yep. were 20-7, and 7, but we didn't get in. 
yeah, which think... which happens. Um, you know, and then we won the, won the ECAC that year, so we finished yeah. twenty three and seven. But we certainly would have loved to have been in the tournament. As, oh, as well. sure, yeah. No, I don't blame you a bit. Well, now you're in it because you won it, and that's outstanding. Um, the season was interesting. You kind of had I've mentioned this to others. You had some fits and famines. You you lost two of four in the end of January or November. Then you lost two in a row um, surrounding the holidays. Then you lost two in a row in January. And then you lost three in a row as you started February. Those games, knowing you, must have been driving you crazy. Yeah, they were tough because we're, we're, I, th- I thought we would have a, a pretty good team, um, but we really had a great strength of schedule this year. I think it's one of the top, if not the top, in the region. Um, and I really wanted to do that because that's the way the NCAA is looking at now, and it would make us better towards the end, and obviously that paid off. So we, we played Hamilton and Glenn and Mercy and F&M. They're all good non-conference games and tough yeah. non-conference games. Um, so yeah, we we really we're up and down at times, but when we're when we do score and play together, and we have two really good players, and when those two are clicking, we're very hard to stop. Yeah, you lost to Franklin and Marshall uh, in double overtime. We should point out one hundred one ninety eight back in in November. Uh, Stevenson got you in December. Stevenson was kind of hot and cold much much of the season. Gwen and Mercy, another team we were talking about uh, in the in this late in the season, got you. Hamilton, who's heading to the postseason, got you. I mean, you didn't lose to necessarily bad teams. Messiah had a good squad this year. Albright, as we mentioned, had a pretty good squad this year. Though that stretch between Widener, Albright, and Arcadia, I know you would love to get that one back. Yeah, and they were all they were all decent teams and good games. So they, we weren't blown out in those games. We just uh, we just didn't win them. And our our conference was yeah. really really competitive. We have we had three teams eight and eight, ten and six, ten and six, twelve and four. We'd, everybody's knocking each other off. Yeah. Now, and and that's the thing is we've talked about the Commonwealth before, um, and I think it's been a few years since they've had a lot of top end that that has been nationally understood or or a chance to be in that large bid, but it is so deep. Uh, I kind of consider it kind of like the big 10 um it's going to be a battle it's going to be deep everybody's good i was noticing non-conference numbers um just shows you how good this conference is in the sense of of uh some teams with really bad non-conference sos numbers having good sos numbers because the conference brought them up this is a really competitive conference that sometimes doesn't get its just due yeah, I, I agree. It's very competitive, and, and the teams really battle each other, and it's well coached, so we all know what each other's doing, and we take advantage of it. Where our players know each all the other players very, very well. Uh, and every time we, we come in, Stevenson finished at the bottom, but, but had a decent year overall, mm-hmm. and yet they beat us, and they beat Lycoming. Yeah. Uh, you know, along the way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like uh, th- th- nobody's capable. You have a senior-laden squad. Did you think something special could happen with this group as a result of that? Yeah, this this is a really special group. They're a lot. Of, they're a lot of fun to coach. They're they're great players. They work hard. They do everything I ask. They're good students. So it's 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 been a fun group, and I've had them all except for Sam and and, and Caleb Barlin came into their sophomore years, transferring from other schools. But they really get along. They just mold together. They're they're. They're confident about each other, and they've just gotten better as the years gone on. I think a lot of people know Andy Orr from uh, in and out of pre or uh, uh, All America lists in the last few years. He had 18 plus points a game this season. Um, he also hauled in near, he's sitting on the edge of a double double, 18.2 points and 9.9 rebounds. But Sam likes the guy who also picks up a heavy lift, uh, 23 plus points a game, five rebounds a game. Um, it, it's that kind of yin and yang you have with those two, right? Yeah, they're very good inside, outside. Uh, everybody try to keep keys on them, plays them very hard. 
and he gets doubled every time he touches the ball in the post because he, <laughs> he's shooting 55%, I think, or close to it, yeah. and averaging 18 a game. And uh, and Sam is electric. Sam is one of those kids that's just fun to watch. And sometimes you just sit back and got to watch it. Last night he had 35, 7 for 10 from the three-point line. He shot one. Uh, it was, I think, it was almost out of bounds, and I went, "What?" And then I shot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one right. Of those, <laughs> one of those. You know. Please don't so do. Oh, great yeah. shot! Awesome. Where so I would he, call that up. He, he takes some tough shots, but he makes tough shots. Okay. Um, when you look at the, that dynamic, I think in some senses, uh, maybe Andy's performance—I don't want to say slipped—has come down because Sam's performance has stepped up. Um, and it's got to be a give and a take there. How do you manage that, and how do they understand that um, as teammates? They're both unselfish players. I think we as a team understand it helps going inside out because Andy's also a very good passer. Uh, he had a lot of assists, and he does a very good job at that. Um, and, and Sam's aware of that, too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we, we do a pick and roll with those two guys, we're pretty much going to get a good shot of yeah. some sort out of that. And what's happened with our team in the last four or five games as a way through the tournament is other guys have stepped up. Ricky Bug had a great game at Lycoming, 23 points. Last night, Caleb Barwin got the big rebound, threw it out to Ricky Bug. He made a three at the end of the game, which won the game. Yeah. You know, so Sam and Andy weren't even involved in it. And yeah. Everybody knew the ball was going to go to one of those two, and it did. But somehow somebody else got it, and we ended up winning by the, with the other seniors. That works perfectly. Just like you drew it up, right? <laughs> exactly. Perfect. What is it about at Albright that you seem to like? You beat them at their place back on January 6th by eight points, and you get the win at their place for the conference title, 70-68. to 68. They had tripped you up at home. Um, in between that. What is it about Albright that you guys love to play so well? I, I, I don't know. We can't beat each other on our own home courts. <laughs> we just, um, and, and Sam Light just finished his career. He had three years of me. He's never lost there. Wow. He's every time. And that's our rivalry. I mean, the yeah. crowd was really electric. It was loud. It was noisy. And either team could have won the game. I mean, Albright played great. We played great. It just came down that we got the last look and made it. And, and unfortunately, they didn't. Interesting dynamic, too, is because if they win, you guys probably don't have any chance of an at-large. You win. They've at least got a chance at an at-large. We could get two MAC teams in for the first time in a while. Um, thanks to that opportunity, does do you feel any pressure though that now you, you you're representing the conference and you want to do it the best possible, the best you can possible to represent the conference well? Oh, absolutely. I I think we've got a good team and I think we've put ourselves in position to not hopefully have to go play the top seed somewhere else because our strength to schedule is very, very high. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the teams ranked in our region, we're high, our strength to schedule is higher. Our wins aren't. So that's going to help us. But, I, yeah, our guys expect to win and compete. We're not going in there and say, oh, we're here. This is great. <laughs> they're, they're ready to compete. And they're seniors, and they know what they got to do. And, and I think Albright, I'd be surprised if they don't get in, but you never know. Right. Uh, but I think they've got a very good strength to schedule, and they had a great year. and really won a lot of games at the end, a lot of big games. Yeah, it's certainly fascinating. And uh, By the way, comparable Centennial Conference going through a lot of, of coaching changes. The, the MAC Commonwealth, we've had the same coaches um, for a long time, and it seems like I don't see any reason that would change. What's that dynamic like when you know the coaches so well in your conference? Well, we don't surprise each other. We yeah, pretty true. much know Lycoming's pressing, uh, Hood's playing his own. We know what <laughs> each other's going to do. and we, 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 we try to change, but you always kind of seem to go back to the old drawing board of what, what you're comfortable with. So that, but it, but it's, what happens is there are such great jobs that it's hard to leave them. 
Yeah. You, you get in them and you're just comfortable, and then you're usually in a great environment where you can live and have a family and all those kind of things. And people stay in the jobs for a long time. Well, it makes sense, and uh, congratulations, sir. It's great to see uh, Leb Val back in the uh, in the uh, NCAA tournament. Um, congratulations on the win over Albright, kind of peaking at just the right time here. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, re- really. Uh, shout out to all my seniors. They just they just played unbelievable. Their their pleasure has been fun. They coach themselves in practice. They get on each other, which is terrific. And also shout out to our fans at the Albright game. It was electric, and we had almost as many fans as they had. That's awesome. Um, thanks, coach. Take care and enjoy the the uh, the tournament next weekend at the very least. And I look forward to touching base with you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Brad McAllister joining us from Lebanon Valley. They finished the season, regular season, 18-9. and Uh, They were second in the conference and uh, took advantage of the opportunity not only to knock off Lycoming for the second time in basically eight days, but then to knock off Albright for the conference AQ. Albright could be in. We'll find out when we start talking conference selection or um, at-large selections coming up here on the show in a little bit. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk to one more coach before we get those selections started. Dave Wilson from Emory & Henry will join us to talk about the Wasps. Uh, maybe recovery would be the best word. Remember, they did not go. They were not doing so well not that long ago. But they've won the ODAC championship. They've taken care of business. They are into the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to him about getting past what ended up being a very good Roanoke squad down the stretch. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and NAVC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. 
So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we keep rolling along here on this Selection Sunday special. We will be getting to Selection's next segment. I can promise you that. We will get the Skype up and running, as it were, and get our guests on board. Um, Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman will be joining me to talk about the men's side of things, and then we'll get going um, on other things as well. Lots to discuss, um, plenty to, dis to get over and figure it out um but that's all to come we have one more coach we want to talk to currently we'll talk to some coaches during the selection process as well about what is going on um and they won the odak though I, i'll they'll probably be the first ones to admit their season wasn't exactly coming down to the end the way they wanted it to uh emory and henry might remember was on our show earlier this season 22 and 6 on the year they lost five straight games before winning the last four including the conference championship in the odak just a short time ago. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach of the Wasps. It is David Wilson. And, Coach, congratulations on the uh, championship. Thanks, Dave. I'm so proud of our team. And hopefully uh, we, our team, we're on, we just got on the bus, so there being a bunch of knuckleheads back there. So if it's uh, loud, I apologize. But I'm um, really proud of our guys. Well, congratulations. I got worried, I'll admit. You guys went through that five-game losing streak in conference, and I kind of thought to myself, uh-oh, you know, this this could be coming unglued for you guys. What was the thinking on your end? Well, um, you know, we uh, I was really proud of how our team handled the winning streak. You know, we went 18-1. Yep. I, I thought through that, through that winning streak, we got better. And uh, that says a lot about a team. But then we had an opportunity to handle, you know, getting better and dealing with adversity as opposed to success. And you know, we had some injury. We had a key injury that kind of, kind of affected our rotations and, um, you know, some of the things that we had been doing leading up to that point. And uh, that was part of our struggle. Um, I also think we hit a point, you know, kind of towards the end of that losing streak where we had to come together. We had to, um, you know, really rally around each other and, uh, you know, uh, do things to, uh, to kind of earn the tide a little bit. And, um, you know, the, the starting point for that was just kind of a recommitment to each other and a recommitment to just having pride in how we do things on and off the floor every day. And I think we were at it. We were kind of in a dangerous point where we could have lost that a little bit and our guys turned it around and, and really I think that the results that we see down the stretch are because of that. When you guys got to the Salem Civic Center and had to, to you know go through that gauntlet in three back-to-back -back days you took on Randolph who was the first 12 seed I think to get there after beating a five seed then you had to take on Eastern Mennonite who has certainly come on uh, as of late and then you had to take on a Roanoke squad today who had won something like 11 straight games and was playing extremely well. You didn't exactly get a trio there that, that wasn't going to be a little bit of a, of a challenge. Uh, and also you ended up playing only Eastern Mennonite was the most recent team you had played. You had played them a couple uh, weeks or a week prior. Everybody else was kind of further back on that, on that list, and Roanoke had beaten you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, 
You know, we uh, yeah, Randolph got a lot of respect for how hard they play. They were scrappy, well coached, and you know, we knew we would have to play well there. Um, they, they put together a great upset um, in the first round, and uh, then we came out and we played Eastern Mennonite. They just have a lot of firepower. They have, they have a lot of seniors, and uh, we had a lot of injuries during that game. We have a, a guy that had been out for the last month um, who was very valuable to us, and he came back from an ankle injury, and just he was kind of hobbled a little bit during the game. Then we had a guy go out with a broken nose who was an all-conference player, and then we had another guy um, go out with a rolled ankle, and that's on a team that, you know, I, I don't play a very deep bench. So, so uh, we, we got ahead in the game, and then we had all those injuries. And, I mean, it was one of the most impressive games I've seen. Um, most people wouldn't see it that way, but I do <laughs> as the coach, just knowing what we had to overcome to win that game against a really explosive offensive team. And and um, and then the way we came back, you know, after kind of trying to recover last night a little bit and figure some things out against a very good Roanoke team. Um, just so impressed with this team and the way that they've handled um, adversity. Was there any message going into this tournament? Hey, guys, we need to win it. Hey, guys, keep your focus. I mean, did you have something like that specifically with the squad, or, or did you kind of lay off a little bit? No, it's to, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago we kind of came together and we had, to, we had to have some conversations about how we wanted this season to end, and that was in the midst of that losing streak. And uh, what we agreed to do is to just take pride in how we do things. Um, we're not, we, you know, we, we, we agreed to not look at the standings. We agreed to not worry about national ranking. You know, all those things that kind of came with our 18 and one start. I think those things were putting pressure on us a little bit and they were distracting us from what we want to be about. And so, um, you know, we continued that focus into the tournament. Just how do we want to play? What do we want to be about? And let, let's do those things really well. And, and that was, that was our, our conversation coming into the tournament. So what turned that you talked about that conversation? I'm not asking to go into what was said in those conversations, certainly after that five game winning streak or losing streak, but what was the driving force to get the, everything turned in the right direction? Well, it was, uh, you know, one of the words that we, we put on everything, we put it on social media, shirts, all that kind of stuff is the word committed. And, uh, you know, that, that was being tested. Um, you know, because we, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of pull apart when things aren't going your way. And um, so that was a big part of it was just, hey, let's refocus on what we're committed to and let's make sure that we stay committed to that. And we also talked about the word pride. Um, and how do we, you know, how do we evaluate ourselves? Mm -hmm. um, what is it that we're going to be proud of? And again, we, we agreed to not focus on the win and loss record, not to focus on results. We wanted to be proud of the way we did things. And so that was what that conversation was about. What is it that we want to do at a high level? What What is it that we want to be excellent? And then let's make sure we do that every day and let's be proud of that. Talking to head coach David Wilson of Emory and Henry uh, as they've won the ODAC championship. What was it like, coach, when the horn sounded and the, and the championship was officially yours? Well, I almost uh, passed out when I saw the ball in the air. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> we were down by two, and um, their, their best player kind of had a half-court heave, and uh, that thing was right on line, and it bounced up off the back of the rim. So 
I almost blacked out at that point. Um, but <laughs> fortunately, I didn't, and uh, I was able to enjoy watching our team celebrate together because that was really special. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about this team. I know we talked about you guys a little bit more in depth last time, but uh, certainly impressive what you have done and get the you know, really to get everything turned around too to win an ODAC championship and now dance in the NCAA tournament. I know the women just came up short, but uh, I know the men are excited. Uh, thanks for taking the time. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, in a moment like this, the, the first thing I do is I think about all the people who have been involved with, with it. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people say, hey, you really turned the program around. I, I didn't. Um, I was fortunate to have people um, who have, you know, whether it's assistant coaches who have, who have sacrificed so much in terms of time and, you know, income and those kinds of things to be a part of this. It's, it's uh, alumni who have just been incredibly supportive by coming out and watching us play or by donating to our program and helping us do things in that regard, uh, whether it's people on our campus and certainly uh, last but not, you know, whether it's staff members like trainers and strength coaches and then just our players, um, that those guys are, are the, are the uh, reason that we're here. And uh, I'm just so privileged and grateful to be a part of it. Well, once again, I appreciate you taking the time, especially on short notice, to join us. Congratulations on the title. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing what you guys can do in the first week in the NCAA tournament. And in the very least, enjoy it. Thank you, Dave. Absolutely. David Wilson joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. The Wasps at 22-6 and six are on to the NCAA tournament after a big win over Roanoke. Uh, I would be interested to see what happens to Roanoke in the regional rankings. I think Clay Nunley did a pretty amazing job and brought his program uh, into the conversation. They haven't lost. They hadn't lost since January 18th. They had lost to Emory and Henry earlier in the season, um, also by a tight score, 75-73. So fascinating to see what Roanoke may do, but I don't think we'll see another uh, ODAC team in. I think Randolph and Macon may have missed out as well, losing the quarterfinals. But we will figure that all out coming up here shortly. Going to take another break, and I will get Ryan Scott and Bob Quillman um, on the line and to get ready to talk about who we think are going to make the selections. A reminder, we have a couple interviews during that that we will also air as we do some work behind the scenes. We'll also take some shortcuts. I know it's not fair, right? But we will take some shortcuts to save some time, and we'll discuss all of that coming up. We'll try and answer your questions. Again, at the bottom of the screen is how you can try and uh, ask us questions and keep us uh, or fire away. I know there's some questions like Daryl Duncan saying, will Yeshiva be playing their first-round game Thursday night or early Friday? Yeshiva is in the tournament as a Skyline winner. Yeshiva, I think, will play Friday afternoon. The question is, when do they play their second game should they win? I don't know if they necessarily will play Saturday night because they would not have had any time to practice. If no one understands what I'm talking about, Yeshiva, who I hope to talk to possibly on Monday, is a squad that... Um, uh, Jewish descent and much like, or a Jewish uh, school, much like uh, schools like Hope and Calvin and the Wheatons and Messiahs of the world have restrictions on when they can and can't do things. And one of those restrictions is Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. They aren't allowed to do anything, including travel. So there's a lot of caveats here, and we'll find out what's going on with Yeshiva, and we'll certainly talk about it a little bit more. But my gut feeling is I, they might play Friday afternoon and maybe Saturday night, but without a practice, I think they might push it, as they did with the Skyline Tournament today, push it to Sunday afternoon to help out Yeshiva. But we shall see. Uh, lots to discuss. We'll do the men's first. Again, Ryan and Bob will join me. Then the women 
Gordon, uh, James Wagner, and uh, BJ Spiegelmeyer will join me as well to do the women's. That's all still ahead with plenty of other interviews to intermix as well. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get things rolling. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops so right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment, the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we get ready for Selection Sunday, part of the actual show. Uh, we're going to start doing our men's selections. A reminder on a couple of things before we get everybody in here. Uh, first, we'll have some reactionary talk, and then we'll start getting going. We're going to take a couple shortcuts. We'll discuss those shortcuts in a bit, just to save on time. Second of all, we do have some coach interviews that we'll intermix into the show, um, during which, uh, to give us uh, some time behind the scenes to do some work. We'll also try on the screen to provide you an idea of who we're picking and who's at the table. It may not be perfect, but it will be at least a little bit more information. And the guys will also try and do the same as well. We'll also try and give you an idea who we think are, or how we think the rankings are set. Um, have not been able to hashtag glean any information so far this year, but sometimes on this show, it starts to come in as we're discussing it. And I'll warn you now, if we start to discover things that are not matching up with how we will have things, we will take a step backwards to go, whoop, let's fix this 
and move forward. It may not change our answers. It just may change an order or it may leave a team in a different spot than we originally had them. All right. So that's that information. Um, joining me to discuss all this on the men, we'll do the women's later. We're going to start with the men's side and joining me to do the men's side will be Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott. You know, Ryan from our top 25 double take, uh, Bob Quillman, if you don't know, has been a, an, uh, Illinois Wesleyan, uh, broad or alum broadcaster. And I call him now the aficionado. He's in lovely Texas and they all join me now via Skype. Gentlemen, thank you very much for, for joining me once again this year. I'm looking forward to this. Glad to be here, guys. This is uh, kind of like that that Christmas Eve kind of thing. So this is one of our favorite days of the year. Looking forward to being with you guys here. Absolutely. Wonderful. I'm glad to be a part of it. This is, this is definitely where it gets a little bit crazy. Um, we will do our best. First off, guys, before we jump too far into the selections, reactions on A, the season so far, and B, what really was one heck of a finale of a weekend? You know, I, I think, Dave, uh, my takeaway from the weekend is how much parity there is in Division Three. I was watching, as a fan of a bubble team, I was watching so many games this weekend. You know, I'm watching Plattsburgh, and, and I'm watching the uh, the NESCAT games, and I'm watching Stevens Point today, and I'm watching Sulra State. And every game I watched, I, I remember thinking to myself, boy, these teams are all like really even. And they're even with the teams I'm the most familiar with, uh, Augustana, North Central, Illinois, Wesleyan, Wheaton. I just think that this is one of those years where there's a whole bunch of even teams and you put them in the tournament and you try to make odds and it's like a pick them every game. So this is going to be really fun. There's just a lot of really good teams out there. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same thing. I've already been trying to get as much pre-work done for our bracketing as possible. And part of that is trying to figure out who can be you know, playing against a host in a pod, and there's just not as many teams as there normally are because everybody feels like they're a little bit better uh, than they have been in past years. Uh, the other thing is some of those teams that we kind of forgot about coming back again. I saw, like, Hanover winning the HCAC. We kind of wrote them off at the beginning of the year, and they're storming back and playing well at the right time. That's a good point. Uh, Hanover kind of jumped out at me, too. And, and you've got... Um... Yeah, how we also have some quirks. Uh, you know, Texas may end up with three schools in it after all. Um, now, what do you do for travel and bracketing? And we can cross that bridge later. But the parody, Bob, you and I have been talking about that for a while now. I'm loving it, but it's also pull your hair out because you kind of sit down one night going, ah, you know, I'm going to take a break from tonight. I don't need to really watch any games. I want to enjoy the family. And then you log in like an hour later and go, oh my God, there was about six games I should have been watching because it's been crazy. Well, it's it, it's fun, uh, you know, not being a voter anymore. After I officially left the media ranks, I uh, I turned in my d3hoops.com voting credentials, and it's fun to take pot shots at you guys on the chat <laughs> now because <laughs> it is so difficult to rank these teams. Like from week to week, how good is Augustana? How good is Washu? How good is Wesleyan? How good is you know Plattsburgh? It it really is difficult but it makes it fun at the same time. But I'm glad that you guys are voting now and not me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Really appreciate that. Uh, I, I kid um, because I can. Um, the other thing I think that's interesting too, no undefeateds heading into the season. Whitman taking the loss. Um, I'm not surprised. I think I said at the beginning of the season, I didn't expect any undefeateds into the postseason, though I didn't think Whitman would go this long. Um, also, WashU losing to Chicago and – not that Chicago's not a good team, but Washu was playing so darn well. 
Um, St. John's lost. I mean, a lot of the teams that we had kind of started to get comfortable with all took hits as well this week. Yeah, a couple of those teams really hurt themselves. Um, you know, WashU losing that game in Chicago, the, the margins for error are so slim between these teams. I think we can, and we'll talk about this, but I believe that uh, WashU has lost that number one spot in the Central. St. John's hurt themselves by losing. Platteville hurt themselves. Um, you know, Ryan, as we, we look at the landscape out there, one loss makes a big difference in all of this. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, especially for our top 25, but when it comes down, uh, you know, looking at hosts for the mock bracket, that's going to be a big deal is who's getting to host and who's going on the road. And, and it could just be one game here or there. Uh, I know Rick Ferry was watching earlier. I don't know if he still is. Uh, Albright would would like to get into the dance here. Uh, they'll be in at large. We'll be discussing. Scott Musa, thank you for taking the time. Ryan Skemp asks if Ryan, if uh, River Falls has got a decent chance uh, with going to the WIAC championship of getting in. I think they at least get into the rankings is what we were discussing earlier. I think yeah, we'll, I don't know uh, if it's a decent chance, right? But they certainly will. I, I imagine they, they may get to the table or somewhere close. I think they'll be at the table at the uh, with a spot or two to go, and it's just a matter then of what happens. So yeah. there's a, there's a chance I, I'd stay any anytime you're on the bubble down anything under like 15. It's like who knows, yeah. but uh, they'll have a chance. And by the way, Mitch, I'm going to do this out of not because I should, but because I will. He says, if no one said it already, happy belated birthday to me. Yes, thank you. That's one of the reasons I didn't, I didn't watch bring, the games last okay. night. I'm sorry, I should have brought something. No, it's okay. It's okay. I uh, I went out last night. It's one of the reasons I didn't see a lot of the games, and I kind of sat there watching my phone blow up going, oh, man, I am torn. <laughs> I watched enough games for all of us. I can tell you that, like, pins and needles watching Sol Rust State yeah. grind out a victory is a beautiful thing, guys. So uh, life on the bubble can be tough. Uh, Dave, I'm glad you got outside, though. Yeah, I needed a break. Um any final thoughts before we wrap up on this? Uh, you guys have really been crunching the numbers. I've been following along as I did some pre-tapes today. We, one thing I, I think we got to stress, and you guys can extrapolate on this, is we don't know the regional rankings yet. We'll hopefully maybe find out. But there is a couple regions where one team or another in a certain spot, and I'm thinking Northeast and Central were the two I know we were discussing, could really make or break some teams getting in, which we know, but also blocking, as we like to talk about, other teams getting a chance to even get into this conversation. Yeah, the, uh, there's three in particular, I think, and I would say the order here is the South, the ranking between Laterno and yeah. East Texas Baptist. Mm -hmm. In the Northeast, the way that you line up Amherst and Springfield and what comes after that. And then not so much in the central, but north central versus Illinois Wesleyan. So we're going to have to dig into the regional rankings before we can start making picks because there's some significant ones. So I think that's a perfect way of setting that one off, Bob. Well done. You, it's like you used to work in this industry. Um, segue it is. Let's start. Let's just because it's easy. I'm going to go right hand corner. So northeast. The debate between whether Amherst who gets. Um, who hosted the championship tournament but was not playing in the championship, or Springfield, who missed out on the new MAC title, which one of those we rank ahead? And I, I think I went back and forth on this one at least a half a dozen times. So let's throw the numbers out there, and then I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll let Ryan to take the first shot. So Amherst is a winning percentage 680, strength of schedule 570, and a RRO of 4-6. and six. 
Springfield is 692, so a better winning percentage, 558 SOS, and 4-2. and two. So Ryan, Amherst, or Springfield higher? Who you got? Uh, I think we're going with Springfield. Um, although that's debatable. The question that we have to come up with is there is a head-to-head game in this case. Amherst beat, Amherst beat Springfield. Amherst beat Springfield. And then in situations like this, that at least this year on our regional rankings, those head-to-heads have been pretty pretty solid. So as... <sighs> and, and the other question is, so RRO, four and six for Amherst, four and two for Springfield. Yeah. Is yeah. four and six better than four and two? I perceive it to be. I, I'm kind of... I sort of look at the total games. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I think the RROs might be if you know a little better, if not a wash. My my observations from the regional rankings this year is that it hasn't been as much total as it has been the games that you're winning, maybe more than in previous years. I do think, though, the head-to-head may end up making the difference in this case, especially when the numbers are so similar. I think the numbers are close enough that I think it's Amherst. I think that because they... The numbers are so close, and Amherst won head-to-head. I think Amherst is ahead of Springfield, and that could make a difference in who gets in and who gets left out. The one thing I jumped on is, I always stress this one, it's results versus regionally ranked. And one thing we've learned is sometimes they dive into what does that really mean? Who did you beat? You know, yes, four and six on paper I don't think is necessarily better than four and two. However, part of that four and six for Amherst includes last week's number one Hamilton. Um, a win over them. Um, did, I think they beat Wesleyan. I think they split with Wesleyan, or maybe I'm wrong. Um, I gotta go. I uh, have it in front of me. I just can't seem to f- find it fast enough. Uh, they lost twice to Wesleyan, so that's the number two from last week. So that makes it a little bit more interesting. Uh, Amherst always plays Eastern Connecticut. They lost to them as well. So they beat the number one, lost twice to the number two, and lost to the number three. I wonder how much that starts to play a factor here. That being said, Springfield beat Wesleyan, the number two. Um, they don't have a lot of others. Now, MIT, they had um, two victories over, but MIT's fallen in the rankings. If MIT had been as high as they were, instead of being number nine, that comes a bigger factor, I think. Um, that's where I start to get a little torn on this, and I wonder if, despite the head-to-head, if Springfield actually holds on to it because they do have that win. And you start talking about comparables, which is also part of the primary criteria. They've got a win over Wesleyan, and Amherst does, and Amherst does not. Well, I would say this is let's take out the head-to-head for just a second and say if we had those two teams on the board for Pool C, which one would we all pick? How do we perceive their numbers? Amherst 680. 574 and 6. Springfield 692, 558, 4 and 2. I personally, if I had those two resumes in front of me, I would lean towards Amherst because the better SOS, and again, I perceive the RRO to be better between those two numbers. That's sort of a subjective yeah. opinion. I would yeah. pick Amherst between the two. I I would probably lean towards Springfield, but not strong enough that the head-to-head wouldn't matter to me that's the tiebreaker that's where i am it's yeah the number that's kind of the point i was making is the numbers are so close yeah you've got a head-to-head and yeah. uh, look they may both get in neither may get in but we do have to slot one ahead and for me it's amherst yep 
Yeah, I think it's it's a valid argument. I, I've been leaning towards Springfield most of the day, but I've flopped to Amherst a few times. I think you make good arguments, and just for the sake of time and and knowing that we may 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 make mistakes here tonight, I'm fine with that. Uh, let's go with Amherst. The set. The thing is, I'm a little worried it may end up blocking Springfield from even getting into this tournament. It, it'll be interesting once we. Well, that's that's why we're here to do this. We'll see exactly. the implications when we get late. It's called the, uh, the the other thing we we should point out as we're going along is that this uh, the regional rankings this year seem to be a little uh, less easy to predict, a little more difficult to predict. And so I feel like we should just state at the beginning that we we are a little less confident in what we are going to decide here tonight than maybe we have been in the last couple of years. Yeah, the next one is the South region. And this one is one that I didn't think about until... I think Ryan brought it up to me earlier today. I've just been looking at Letourneau yeah. as, you know, 852, 5'11", 2-2. Two two. I've been looking at that thinking, well, they're, they have an impressive winning percent. They're going to be on the bubble because strength of schedule. And then he said, what about East Texas Baptist? I pull them up. They're 750, 538, 2-6. To me, this one is and, – and East Texas Baptist is 2-1 against Letourneau. Yeah, when when Ryan brought that up, I basically put my head through the table because I realized, oh, I had missed something, and he's right. Um, this could flip, and that two and one was kind of what I triggered on. I, I went, oh, I forgot they beat him twice. Laterno's kind of left themselves out to be taken here, and I kind of like the numbers of East Texas Baptist better than I like the numbers of Laterno right now. And um, I don't know if this is the right time to bring it up, but we have a new <laughs> secondary. We have a new secondary criteria this Correct. year, and this is a good example. Uh, if we can't tell those two teams apart based on our, our primary criteria, the non-conference strength of schedule is now a criteria in which Letourneau is at 508 and ETBU is at 574. And that is something that we've seen in the regional rankings have made a difference for the committee. In some, not all. You and I right. have talked about other places, but you're right. It, it has kind of seemed to rear its head. Um, me personally, I, I'm leaning towards East Texas Baptist here. Um, neither of them got the job done like I was hoping they would for the record. Um, but I think ETBU is going to end up now. My only caveat to that would be this. And, and maybe the answer is obvious. I'm just going to present it. What's the difference this week than last week between these two? Well, ETBU last week wasn't even in the South ranking. Do I have that right, guys? I, I'm thinking that that's... Double check I don't for you, I've got believe that. that's true. I've got yeah. him here, so bear with me. No, ETBU was not in the rankings whatsoever. Now, I've always kind of viewed this as the rankings, you know, week one, week two, week three are one thing. And then when it comes time to today, it's sort of a wipe the slate clean and look at the resumes as opposed to okay, this guy was two and this guy was four and this guy won and this guy lost, so we're going to move him ahead. I think you just look oh, yeah. at everything fresh, you know, and, and well, I they think... they do that every week anyway, I, I, right. from what we've been told. So I'm fine with that. My only question would be, listen, Emery's off the table. They're going to be number one anyway. Uh, Randolph-Macon, we got to figure out what to do with them. Uh, Saul Ross State's off the table. Then this was last week's rankings. Letourneau, Emery and Henry's taken off the table because they won the AQ. Maryville's off the table. They won the AQ. Texas, Dallas, and then Methodist. That's what the last rankings were. You know, are we in a scenario here where Randolph-Macon has buried themselves behind now these two that we've got to make sure we don't eliminate Randolph-Macon? And on the flip side of that, how about Texas, Dallas, and Methodist? Does ETBU jump these guys? 
I think so. To me, it's yeah. it's to me it's Emory, East Texas Baptist, and then Letourneau. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think who's ever after Letourneau is a team we're going to be talking about in this yeah. process. I'll just kind of give you a hint. I, I don't see anyone getting in after Letourneau, but I do think ETBU should be higher than Letourneau. Yeah, and just to answer the question of what is different this week, East Texas Baptist beat a uh, Mary yep. Harden Baylor team that that has been pretty good. Then they beat Letourneau. Yep. Uh, this yep. week, and then they played Sol Ross State. So the SOS went up. They got an extra uh, win against a regionally ranked opponent that we're comparing them to. Absolutely, and that's why I just want to make sure that that's kind of part of that conversation. Is hey, this is what did change. Um, with these two i think it's a big step for east texas baptist to enter the conversation my only concern is if they were that far off prior and granted you're right sos has come up they've got a couple extra results versus region ranked i do worry that maybe um they uh that were being a little overzealous but i i I like the argument and by the way let me state one more point to everybody Remember, week three's uh, rankings matter for results versus reasonably ranked opponents. Those don't disappear in the end. Week twos don't matter. Week ones don't matter. But week three's rankings do matter, and that's why we're talking about them. I'm fine with putting ETBU here, then Letourneau, and my argument then would probably be Randolph-Macon, Texas-Dallas-Methodist, if we ever were to go that far. But I'm with you. I don't think we're going to get that far anyway. But I think Randolph-Macon killed themselves as a number two Losing in the quarterfinals, having one game, nothing else to help their resume. And then I think the final one we have to, to talk about, and I don't think this one is as is difficult. Um, in the central region, you've got Platteville and Oshkosh. And then I think there's some debate between North Central and Illinois Wesleyan. Illinois Wesleyan was higher in the last ranking. The numbers are as follows. Illinois Wesleyan is 731 in the winning percentage, 550 and 3-6. North Central is 692, so there's a big gap there. 564 and 4 and 5. Since the last ranking, North Central has beaten Illinois Wesleyan two times. Uh, both were, were pretty convincing. <laughs> yeah, that so was a surprising I would, finish. I would say, even though if I had those two numbers in front of me and there was no head to head, I would pick Illinois Wesleyan's numbers because there's such a big difference in winning percentage. I think they're close enough to say the two and one trumps, and I think North Central should be ranked ahead of Illinois Wesleyan. That's my take. Yeah, and and I would just say it's a big number for winning percentage, but that's because both teams have lost a lot of games. It's really just one game in the standings if you're looking at it like that, eighteen and eight versus nineteen and seven. Yeah, true. That's true. Um, I've been leaning towards Illinois Wesleyan, but I think you're right. I think the two wins this week. I think that's the big thing here. You know, we went in with them behind Illinois Wesleyan because North Central was 0-1 against IWU, but they lost to them twice this week, and that yeah, I think, shifts a ton of criteria in North Central's favor. I think you've got to put North Central there, and you know they'll get to the table in uh, in pretty decent shape, and they'll both have a chance probably in this, but. Yeah. I think North Central deserves to be at the table first, and so why don't we make that move? And so the Central then is Platteville, Oshkosh, North Central, Illinois, Wesleyan, River Falls. Which is, by the way, again, a reminder, we're talking about those who are at will be discussed. Anybody who's gotten an AQ is out of this conversation. Yes, we might need it for results versus regionally ranked stuff, but that's not what we're discussing. And so that leaves really then, those were really the tough ones. And so then I'll just do a quick recap, guys, of of the eight regions and sort of the order. And the rest of these were pretty easy. 
The Atlantic, I'll just go in alphabetical order. The Atlantic is New Jersey City, followed by Gwen and Mercy. The Central, I just read. Uh, East is Hobart, followed by Brockport. The Great Lakes is Worcester, Marietta, Ohio Wesleyan. The Mid-Atlantic is Swarthmore. Do I pronounce the R or do I not pronounce the R? So you in D3, <laughs> you just don't pronounce it. There's no H in Amherst. There's no R in Swarthmore. Oh, okay, but you just said Swarthmore. So, okay. So I'm going to say... It's a soft R. Okay. Never listen to, to DMAC when it comes to pronouncing people's last names or school names. I like to ask. What? Swarthmore, Christopher Newport, Albright, and Franklin and Marshall. That's your mid-Atlantic region. These are just Pool C candidates. Right. Northeast, Hamilton, Wesleyan, Middlebury, Amherst, Springfield, Keene State, Salem State. South, Emory, ETBU, East Texas Baptist, and Letourneau. And West, Whitman, St. John's, St. Olaf, and Loris. Wow. What do you think? It's, it's going to keep us uh, uh, very... <laughs> It's going to be hard, man. Um, I, I agree. I think that's what we've got for for um, Pool C contenders. Um, do you have Roanoke at all in this South conversation? I don't know if that becomes a factor or not, but with their 11-game winning streak, do we have to bring them into this conversation by chance? Only in my D3 NIT bracket. Uh, <laughs> nice. That NIT bracket where you've got Texas-Dallas playing some people, I've got Roanoke facing Texas-Dallas. So, uh that's my smart-ass way of saying, no, I don't, Dave. I, I would say after after Letourneau, it's probably Randolph-Macon still and then Roanoke, so we're probably not going to get to them. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I just wanted to double-check. Uh, by the way, sorry. Gordon Mann emphasizing. Fans, I really, yeah, I really enjoy going to Mac and Bob's, and I like your town, so I don't want to take any shots at Roanoke. Sorry about that. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, Gordon emphasizes it is swath more, just in case you're curious you never know you know there's there's some weird pronunciations yep. in division three so you got to ask these Amherst things is the big one yep all right so um all right so let's go with one of the tricks we're going to do tonight and that is take a shortcut and one of those shortcuts is we're automatically going to slam dunk 10 10 picks in because one i think they're pretty obvious the order may matter it may it really doesn't matter um but more importantly bob why go? I mean, we can discuss them briefly, but for the most part, we know these teams are making it. We actually, Ryan suggested we add one more to that mix Ooh. and actually put in 11. So we have just a really round number 10 to pick. And I think it makes sense because the, the number 11 is a lock too. So Ryan, if you're good, we, we just yep, go up with yep. all those 11, right? Let's put the 11 in. All right. Just send that to me behind the scenes so I can put it into the system. Um, if you have just the just keeping track on the pool C board. So on the Pool C board on, on uh, D3 Hoops, there is now a thread that just if you just keep hitting refresh as we go, we will keep updating that. So when we're ready, we'll read through these 11, and then I'll post them. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to get to where I was. There we are. I'm going to that board, to be honest with you, so that I can be on the same page with all you gentlemen. All right, so um, let's talk about who those 11 will be. Um, if that helps everybody, because I think we should get to that. First and foremost, I'm just going to say this. No Whitman fans, you're not number one. Uh, <laughs> you're not the first one off the table. Your SOS wasn't all that pretty this year. Um, who wants to do it? Who wants to talk about who our, or who our 11 are? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw them out there. And uh, 
I'll actually hit post here on the board so folks can read these along with us. The 11 that we felt, the three of us felt, were like slam dunks. We don't need to waste a bunch of time arguing because we just spent a whole bunch of time arguing about like ETBU versus Letourneau. And think of how long the rest of this process would take. They are number one, Hamilton. Number two, Wesleyan. So Nezcac, Nezcac. Number three, Platteville from the WIAC. Number four is Whitman from the Northwest Conference, 25 and 1. Number five, Swarthmore. Number six, St. John's, who was upset in the uh, MIAC. Um, another NESCAC, Middlebury, at seven. Number eight is Worcester from the NCAC. Number nine is Marietta, making it back-to-back Great Lakes. Number 10 is New Jersey City from the NJAC. And number 11 from the UAA is Emory. We feel like, Ryan, that we talked earlier that these 11 are pretty much a slam dunk. Yeah. Yeah, I, can't, I certainly agree with you on that. Um, and so we will get to do some fun here on Hoops. We'll work on this one a little bit. We will now reveal those on our graphics. Uh, in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, folks, is our mock selection so far, 1 through 11. Oh, i got to get Wesleyan's record on there. I, or Who was it? Ha- oh, we put Hamilton first. I apologize. i got to reverse my order here. Uh, we'll fix that. But then on the bottom of the screen, you will also notice that we are scrolling who is at the table as of now and who would like to do the honors of saying who. And remember, who's at the table means the top regionally ranked team from each region uh, is in it's scrolling at the bottom. But, guys, do you want to discuss who we have there? Yeah, let me let me see if I have this right, Dave. Make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, so I might have to update it anyway. We are in a round. I guess we would call this round 12, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we would have in the Atlantic, we'll just do these alphabetically, maybe if that makes sense. Atlantic, we have Gwynedd Mercy. Central, we have Oshkosh. East, we have Hobart. Great Lakes, we have Ohio Wesleyan. Mid-Atlantic, we have Christopher Newport. Uh, The Northeast, we have Amherst. In the South, we have ETBU. And in the West, we have St. Olaf. I'm going to throw one curveball at you. Uh-oh. Because I got a text. This is how this works. He knows a guy. Dave knows a guy. I have one text that tells me this. So I and this is going to be the Ohio Wesleyan conversation here, real quick. Yeah. I think ONU is a lock and BW is close. Well, if that's to be true, if that information were to be true, meaning that most likely Ohio Northern's going to get in. We don't know if it's true or not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying this is what we're leaning hearing. And that BW is in the conversation, then I don't know if Ohio Wesleyan is either at, at this point, or or do we think they might be able to actually get into this tournament? I think Ohio Wesleyan would have a decent chance down at like spot twenty twenty one. They're very much in the bubble mix for sure. Now, I guess if your guy Dave, your source <laughs> under deep cover. <laughs> It's telling you that Ohio North, I just, I guess I don't totally see Baldwin Wallace at 667, 607. Okay. Strength of schedule and yeah. three and six. Ohio Northern, 679, 575, or 549, four and six. I still think, I don't see how either one of them ends up over Ohio Wesleyan at 679, 564, three and five. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. I mean, Ohio Wesleyan and Ohio Northern have the exact same record 
Ohio Wesleyan has a better strength of schedule and, you know, pretty comparable results versus regionally ranked opponents. I, I think it's Ohio Wesleyan there. I, I, I'm just putting it out there. I don't disagree yep. necessarily. We'll have to keep it in mind. Yeah, we'll just we'll think about it. We'll, we Dave, we'll take that under advisement. Yeah. All right. Uh, and again, um, doesn't mean that we aren't on the right page. It's just something we are hearing. It doesn't. Uh, it, it could. It could just be a little bit off. So don't worry. All right. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about what we'll do next. Because where's what I want to do? I want to actually run uh, a, one of our our, our coach interviews um, in a bit as we kind of start getting going. But I don't want to take our first pick and not give it its due time. So what I want to do is almost kind of start talking about who our next pick may be. If we can come to a quick decision, so be it. We move on, and great. If we don't, that's fine. We'll run a one of our interviews and start working behind the scenes, if that makes any sense to you guys. Well, I think we could also talk about the process we're going to play out. So yeah. at, at every round, we're going to have eight teams that we're stacking against each other. In my opinion, what you've got to do is you have to get it down to two teams because it's too hard to like look at eight at all times. you got to pick. you got to sort of say, okay, in this round, the top two are one and two, and then we'll probably compare those to each other, pick one, move on, do it all over again in the next round. So I think in this case, we need to figure out who our top two are. Yeah, I agree. We'll, we'll eliminate somebody as we work our way through this by default because I think not all eight are equal, and, and I think some will stand out every time we do this. So I'm, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that mentality. Um, so I'm I'm – Willing to throw out that Oshkosh and Christopher Newport should probably be the two that we're looking at first. Is that safe? those are exactly the two that I'm looking at? Is <laughs> I think Oshkosh and Christopher Newport. There's there's many here that there's some teams that might sit here on this this uh, table a while if you yes. look at it. So I think we stay away from for right now the the really low winning percentage. We'll get to those. I think I'm looking at like across the board solid resume. Um, Christopher Newport, 778, 546, 3 and 2. Oshkosh, 741, 555, 2 and 4. I think those are the two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think I think the other resumes are probably a little too weak to actually be in this conversation. Between the two, I think we're going to pick both of them. You know, we'll pick one now. We'll pick the next one in the next round probably oh, to me. might end up, yeah. Although I will say this is there's the, the mid Atlantic is really deep and good in this process. So like if we pick Christopher Newport, the next mid Atlantic is good. The next one is good. Um, don't be surprised if we have a few of those that come off the board pretty quick between the two. I don't know. I would probably pick Christopher Newport. Um. Yeah. I you want to look at which regionally ranked teams that they're they're playing. That's the only question I would have. Uh, I think Oshkosh's schedule is probably a little better, so we want to dig down into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Last year, Oshkosh, remember, was that wild card that, that made the tournament with an absolutely crazy resume. Um, that said, I think uh, there's an element here that, you know, maybe they are a, um, a little bit better shape this time to be in this conversation quicker, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, Oshkosh obviously is coming from the the, the WIAC and Christopher Newport, the CAC. Um, Christopher Newport's winning percentage is better. Their SOS is close, 555 to 546. They have one more RRO, three versus two. 
that's kind of where I'm leaning is just uh, it seems like two of the three numbers are going their way and it's close and that's where I'm leaning there, but it could be either one. So if you're if you're looking at the regionally ranked opponents, the the three wins <clears throat> that Christopher Newport has, we've got York and Johns Hopkins, which are probably the two top teams in the Mid Atlantic, and then the other one is Randolph Bacon. Um, so that's what we're considering there. When you're looking at Oshkosh, um, you've got the win over Augustana, which is going to be a big one. We think probably number one in the Central right now. That's that is that is a very big win. Yes. Yeah, and then you've got, uh, what do we have there? Win over Stevens Point. They're the, the, the WIAC champion now, right? Right. And Those then are... maybe if River Falls ends up at the bottom, that would be a third one. Be a, well, third and fourth. They beat them twice. So. The, the win over Augustana jumps out to me because Augustana is now going to be one of our top four overall seeds here in this tournament. They're going to be the number one in the Central. Oshkosh having beaten Augustana stands out to me. Um, you know, maybe I'm starting to sway a little bit towards Oshkosh in terms of a tiebreaker. Just that's a big win. Yeah, and, and I don't know. The committee is going to look at the tops of each of the regions Um when they consider this, right? So like the fact that, that Christopher Newport has wins over likely the f- number one and the number two team in the mid Atlantic might Trump, you know, number one and number four in the central. Absolutely. I don't know that we want to spend too much time talking about this. Cause as you said, they're probably both going to get in in pretty short distance. I'm okay. going Christopher Newport um, first, if that's what we want to do. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with that. I was going to say something witty, but I got nothing. Hmm. Yeah, let's go Christopher Newport. I think that I think overall the resume is just a little bit better, and uh, Oshkosh is going to get into this process very soon, so I think that makes the most sense. All right, so our 12th pick of the tourney, or of the uh, selection process, will be Christopher Newport out of the CAC. And considering how much of a banged-up season that is, I can suspect we'll have quite a few people who are thrilled with that uh, announcement. Um, so congratulations to the captains. CNU ended up beating uh, York, which certainly helped their resume this season as well. And we should remember to remind everyone as we go through this, just because we're telling you that you're in does not mean you are actually in the No, term. please. Right. <laughs> please. Do not book... Any hotel rooms, uh, do not spend any money, do not uh, tell everyone that your team has made the big dance because this group of yahoos has selected you. That That is a big disclaimer, yeah. folks. We've this only gotten it right once. Until tomorrow. You need to wait until tomorrow. Please, please, don't, don't get too crazy. All right, who does that bring to the table in the Mid-Atlantic region? So as we look at the Mid-Atlantic, we are now bringing Albright to the table, who's yeah. another, I believe, really strong candidate here. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think Albright's a strong candidate. Um, I'm just filling in the information. Actually, your, your system there, sir, actually works very nicely for me. Um, Anything to help you out, Dave. We've oh, been at thank this you. long time together. Anything to help you. Um, I have a feeling we could probably slam one more pick out of here before we have to, uh, before I want to move on with things. Um, because Here's I want to get to these interviews, but uh, I think we can probably, by the, the nature of that conversation we just had, I think we can probably feel pretty comfortable slamming out another conver- uh, moment here. 
Um, but let's just re repeat to everybody who's now at the table. It's Gwyneth Mercy in the Atlantic. It's Oshkosh in the Central. It is Hobart in the East. It is Ohio Wesleyan, we feel, in the Great Lakes. Albright in the Mid-Atlantic. Amherst in the Northeast. ETBU in the South. And St. Olaf in the West. Again, that's scrolling at the bottom of your screen. And if you're curious, that is winning percentage SOS in results versus regionally ranked opponents. That is screaming along with that information. Our selections are in the upper corner. I just put in their records. I did not put in all the extra details because there's only so much I can put on the screen without losing our minds. So uh, just to jump in, as we were doing before, uh, I think Albright and Oshkosh are probably the two we need to go with here to look at each other. Uh, is that fair, guys? Albright and Oshkosh would be the top two of this group. I would agree with that. And I think we go right back to where we were at the, the results versus regionally ranked opponents. And just to bring up Albright's, they have three wins against regionally ranked opponents, all of whom are ranked below them. So we've got a win over Franklin and Marshall. Um, was like like it's not Lyco. Lyco wasn't in this week, right? Not this week. No, they were not. So then we've got uh, a win against Lebanon Valley, who was at the very bottom of the rankings, and then TCNJ, I believe, is the third one. So. No one near the top of the rankings, and I don't think uh, that's a comparable regionally ranked results to Oshkosh. I think I would go Oshkosh here. Thoughts? I agree with that. I think the SOS is the differentiator between uh, Oshkosh and Albright and the RRO as well. So I would put uh, I would put the Titans on the board here. Um, just FYI, I don't think it changes anything here. Um, but I'm double-checking. I sent you guys a note behind the scenes. We've gleaned on what the Atlantic might look like. We've gleaned it, guys. We have gleaned we some gleaned information. It. Hashtag gleaned. That's, that's pretty close to what we were thinking, yep. so I think we're good. Yep, so we're good on the Atlantic. Um, so that does. And by the way, I just want to throw one curveball into here. Hobart's 808 winning percentage. I th I, I'm wondering when that may get into this conversation. Not necessarily disagreeing because I think twenty and six and twenty one and five is is close uh, enough that we can keep Hobart off because of their SOS at five twenty six. But I just wanted to at least give those out there in the East region wondering why we're not talking about Hobart. The reason why we're not talking about Hobart just yet that five twenty six SOS and one and two against regionally ranked opponents. Yeah, I think I think when you know as you go through this, you look for solid resume across the board until that's not the case, and at some point that does run out, and you're you're picking between say two of the three numbers are good, or even one of the three. For now, we I, I wouldn't dip down into Hobart's 524 SOS and Hobart's only one RRO. That one, that's a low number in this process. So I don't think we need to, to touch Hobart for a little while here. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, question from Dan says, is NJCU a lock with 19 wins, third seed in the NJAC, and lost in the quarterfinals, split with NJCU in the same record? He seems like... We're he were surprised by that, yeah, because NJCU's SOS was absolutely through the roof uh, by their standards. So, yes, we believe we, NJCU yeah, we is an easy slam dunk. For our disclaimer, we did tell people to not take our word for it. But I right. think the 11 that we started with, I think, like, we can even say, okay, we, those teams are in. We feel really good about those teams right there. Anything after 11, you, you just got to let this play out. Yep. And, and when you're talking NJCU, the big one to look at there, six and four versus regionally ranked opponents is a large total number, and they won a bunch of those games. Um, that, that speaks a lot for that candidacy there. 
Sorry, I'm just Oshkosh, we good? So we're going with Oshkosh? We're going with Oshkosh. All right, so Oshkosh in as the next pick. Um, so at this point, I think we're going we're gonna to reset our table. Yep. And we will uh, quickly just point out who's on it and then take a quick break. We'll get another interview in, and we're going to have Cabrini men's basketball coach Tim McDonald on the show. And while we continue to work behind the scenes and maybe get some selections done so we don't completely bore you, folks, is basically the idea here. Um, but let's reset the table at the very least before we get that far um, as we remove Oshkosh, this time without as much fanfare as last year, and put them into our selections. <laughs> So we now put them in. They go in. And we have to replace them on our system. And if, I, and if I'm correct, we replace them with North Central, who we discussed earlier, leaping over Illinois Wesleyan due to the fact that Illinois Wesleyan lost to them twice this week. Absolutely. We are uh, putting the Cardinals of North Central led by Coach Todd Raritan, officially on the board in the Pool C process. So there you go. That now means, and you can see it again, scrolling at the bottom of your screen, um, but all, Gwen and Mercy remains our lead in the Atlantic. Central is now North Central, ironically. Uh, east will be Hobart, Great Lakes, Ohio, Wesleyan, Mid-Atlantic, Albright, Northeast is Amherst, South is ETBU, and West is St. Olaf. And again, scrolling on your screen. Um, I may be able to keep that rolling, folks, for when we go to our next break, but we will see. Uh, gentlemen, if that's good with you, we'll take a break. Uh, get Tim McDonald in here, and again, all three of us will continue to work behind the scenes on this um, and whatnot. And work for you. Any final thoughts before we take a, a, a bit of a break and talk to Tim? No, I think we're off to a good start, guys. Awesome. Sounds good. All right, so we will take a, a here. I'll go off of those guys here briefly. Um, take a break. When we come back, I talked to Tim McDonald from Cabrini about the Cavaliers entering the NCAA tournament as the winners of the CSAC on their final season in the conference and securing that automatic bid. We talked to him about that as we will continue to work behind the scenes. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. The selection special continues after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass. And cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success. And prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this special Sunday edition. Mock selections ongoing as we uh, try and figure out who's going to be into the men's and women's basketball tournaments outside of those who've automatically qualified. At this point in time, the men's crew is behind the scenes doing some work, um, trying to figure out who we think's in the in the selections. We're not going to try and, and, and detail all of that for you because we don't want to bore you necessarily. But hopefully when we come back from this segment, we maybe have made a selection or two and are keeping things moving along. It also gives us a chance to talk to some coaches uh, especially of teams who've gotten those automatic bids buttoned up. Uh, otherwise, we've just dragged this show on way too long. One of those teams that has buttoned up a bid is Cabrini, winning the CSAC in their final season in the conference. They're 24-3, and 16-2, winning the conference championship with a win over Newman, who they lost to, uh, we should point out, the last time they faced each other. Back on uh, January 22nd, of course, they happened to have played Newman twice in five days back then but they got past newman 89 76 in the conference championship and joining us on the city of salem hoopsville hotline the head coach of cabrini tim mcdonald and coach congratulations thanks dave i appreciate it absolutely um interesting conference this season we remember newman being dominating and very good last year they fell off a little bit i think somewhat expectedly Gwyneth mercy came into the picture this year i think a little bit better than people anticipated i certainly was impressed with them when i saw them in december um and so i guess in some ways this the csac battle felt like it was a little top heavy but at the same time a little bit different than i think a lot of people were expecting yeah i mean i think coming into the year um i know in our conference it's always going to be us Gwyneth mercy and newman uh, always seem to be battling out at the top um, I know this year Rosemont got included in that mix. I know they had a really good year. Um, Coach Bob Hughes does a great job with them. Um, I think Gwynedd was such a talented offensive team. Um, they can play in a bunch of different styles. Um, they can slow it down. They can get play up tempo. They can really shoot the ball, and they can get the ball going inside. So they are a tough matchup for a lot of teams in our league. Um, Newman had it, obviously they took a step down from what they had last year and a phenomenal team that they had, but I, they still were very competitive and very tough team to play against. Um, I know you mentioned that we played them twice in five days, mm. um, back in mid January and the first game we were able to handle them pretty, pretty well at home. And then we went to their place and they just out toughed us for 40 minutes at their place. So it was a, a good comeback last night, a good rematch for us last night, and was happy that we were able to take control and uh, get the win last night. I'll admit, early on in this season, I kind of raised my eyebrow when you lost to Denison 90-70, to and, and I thought to myself, okay, uh, maybe Cabrini's not going to be as strong as I thought they were. 
you barely got past a, a somewhat heckle and jide or uh, uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team in Scranton. Um, Gwyneth Mercy, that was the, their win in overtime. I remember thinking to myself, okay, you know, that's more about Gwyneth, I think, than it is about Cabrini. Um, but you got that win over Eastern Connecticut, and that one stuck with me the rest of the season because I, you know, I've been watching Eastern Connecticut, thinking pretty good about them. Uh, yeah, the Newman game definitely surprised me. You beat them 105-76 the first time, and five days later they beat you 92-83. I, what I'm getting at is I had trouble trying to peg you guys to some degree and figure out what was I seeing out of the Cavaliers this season. We'll talk about the individual players in a minute because you've got one that's phenomenal. But what was it about this season? Did you guys just have moments where you were off, or was it something else going on? Yeah, I think starting the season, we ended up, we start two freshmen um, this year. It was something that we were not expecting. Mm. Um, before the season even happened, our starting forward, Devontae Mosley, tore his ACL back in September when he was just playing yeah. pickup with his friends. Um, and that kind of was a big hit to us um, because of everything that he was able to do for us last year and something that we were planning on having back to start this year. Um, so early in the year, that loss to Dennis, and I just felt like our team was a, not ready to compete at a high level at that time. And we started getting there um, probably right before that Gwen and Mercy game where we lost in overtime. Um, I know that game we were missing, who's our starting point guard now, Daryl Bagwell, um, we missed him that day, and I think we got off to such a bad start in that game. And to their credit, they took advantage and were able to put us away in overtime. Um, so for us, I think throughout the year, we've really learned to, to compete together as a group. Um, we start two freshmen and a sophomore, a lot younger team than I thought we were going to have this year. Um, but those guys have really stepped up in a big way. Um, and throughout the year, we've just continued to get better on a daily basis. That's been our theme of the year, something that we've been trying to do. And like you said, that Eastern Connecticut State game was really the turnaround for us this year. Um, I think our guys learned that they can go in, and if we play that, that style that we played that day, that we could be really successful. I know you said about the individual things. That game paired uh, Tarsi Brown for Eastern Connecticut State and Taheem Monroe for us, and both of them played out of their minds that day and what turned out to be a great game and a great victory for us. You've won 10 straight since. Uh, includes a rematch with Gwen and Mercy in the regular season at the end of January where you got them by four uh, at home. You got Rosemont twice. They finished fourth in the conference, and you beat them twice. Though both, the first game was a five-point spread. You kind of handled them by 19 in the conference tournament, and then you got that rematch with Newman. What's, what's clicking now? Uh, is it just comfortability? The freshmen are no longer freshmen? The sophomores are no longer sophomores type thing? Yeah, I think that's that's the main key right there. The freshmen are exactly, they're not playing like freshmen anymore. Um, they've kind of grown up at that time of the year where they have to step up and be ready to play just like anyone else. Um, I also think our defense has improved tremendously throughout the season. I know early in the year that was, we were really talented offensively and we put up big numbers all year, but we really struggled on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and Anthony Wright Downing, who missed first semester, for us came back and he's our best defender and he's really been a spark for us and really has gotten the whole team buying into the defensive end of the floor and when we're able to get down and defend we're tough to beat because we still have that offensive firepower so I think those are the things that have really helped us and made us really good we have a couple guys that can really shoot the ball and spread the floor um, but then we have a couple guards that can really get to the rim and having Tahim Monroe inside and out um, has, has really solidified our offense and really got us clicking. 
Tyreen Moore, you kind of helped me out there. Uh, this guy is a little bit on the ridiculous side of things, and you've had some pretty good squads at Cabrini or players at Cabrini. Uh, you mm-hmm. certainly, as an assistant coach, know the guys we're talking about. But he's averaging twenty-one and a half points a game. He's averaging fifteen rebounds a game. If I remember correctly, this is off the top of my head, so I may have this wrong. I believe he's over two thousand points and sixteen hundred rebounds, or something crazy like that, for his career. Um, as one person put it to me. Uh, in one of the games, and it might have been the Rosemont game, it was one of those moments where about halftime, it seemed like Monroe said, okay, enough of this. Uh, it's it's time to put you guys where you belong, and we're going to move on. He's that kind of player, it feels like, when I watch him. Yeah, I mean, he's tremendously talented. That 6'7", 6'8", um, he's played point guard his whole life through high school, and he had that growth spurt when he got to us as a freshman that really – really is a tough matchup for anyone because he can go inside against smaller guys. He can take bigger guys to the perimeter and drive by them. Um, Defensively for us, he's just been great at getting steals, blocking shots. Um, But his, his money's made on the, on the rebounding on the glass. He is just so tenacious going after rebounds. Um, Like you said, I think he's only a couple points shy of 2000 points and not sure the total rebounds. It might be right around 1600, but his, his numbers are just ridiculous. But like you said, the one thing about him, he's, especially this year, he's really taken a leadership role. And when things get, get tight, um, he's the guy that steps up and talks to the guys, motivates them, and then he just goes out in the court and does things. Um, he goes out and he wants to win every game that he's a part of. Um, he's super competitive. And like you said, the Rosemont game, it was tight at, at the half, and he just kind of put us on his shoulders and led us through the second half for the victory. And I know yesterday – um, didn't have his best game overall, still had, I think, 17 points and 13 rebounds. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but his ability to lead our guys um, had, was something special for us this year. And he is a really special player. We've had those, those type of players in the past, especially when I was an assistant coach. And he's right up there with those guys and is having one heck of a career for us. Well, it's incredible to watch, and again, you guys are off to another NCAA tournament. I know it doesn't get old, and I know after a few years, it you know, yes, you were a shot away from a championship, uh, a national championship, uh, not that long ago, but and you don't take it for granted. But again, you're off to another uh, NCAA berth, and and who knows, maybe even get that opportunity at home in the opening weekend, which I know would be really important to play games at Dixon Center. Um, as always, we give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those uh, who may be tuning in tonight? Sure. I just want to wish all the, uh, the other conference champions, uh, winners, uh, congratulations to everyone. I know it's, it's a long season for us, but it's something that all of us put our heart and souls into. Um, so congratulations to everyone that was able to win their conference, and best of luck to everyone as we move forward to the NCAA tournament. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, congratulate our women's team as well Mm -hmm. and Coach Kate Pearson on a tremendous year. It's one of those things that our two programs kind of thrive off of each other and compete with each other. And it was great to be able to share that moment yesterday with them winning the conference championship right before our game and then being able to follow follow their lead yesterday so congratulations to them as well yeah both newman squads are would like to not talk to you right now yeah (laughs) (laughs) you guys ruined newman's day in both cases but yes congratulations to them as well coach thanks for taking the time really appreciate it good luck next weekend we look forward to seeing how the cavaliers do uh especially find out where they are where where things stand in the brackets and uh enjoy it i know you will but uh we say it anyway thanks dave i appreciate it absolutely tim mcdonald joining us here on the city of salem hoopsville hotline again cabrini dancing into the ncaa tournament at 24 and 3 
Uh, we'll find out where the, who they play, and we'll find out where we think they'll play uh, with our mock selections and the NCAA tournament or the NCAA decisions as well. By the way, he mentioned the women's squad, twenty-four and two. They went undefeated in the CSAC, and remember, Cabrini amongst a number of other schools leaving the CSAC for their own conference starting next season. So a finale in the CSAC, which seems somewhat appropriate. We'll take a break. When we come back, back to our live coverage of mock selections with our men's crew to figure out who we think's in the NCAA tournament as well. You're watching Hoopsville Selection Sunday special presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division 3 allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division 3 athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back live, everybody, as we continue our Hoopsville Selection Sunday special. Thanks to Tim McDonald for joining us from Cabrini there. Gave us, uh, Ryan, Bob, myself, a chance to do some work behind the scenes. Even gave me a chance to have some dinner. Not all of it, just a little bit of it. Um, so we have done some work behind the scenes. So Ryan and Bob doing the heavy lifting, and we have already made three selections, believe it or not. So let's bring back in our partners in crime, as we call them. It is Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott. You'll know Ryan Scott, though. 
<laughs> His face is a little off-center now. It's kind of funny. Skype is a fascinating beast. Um, Ryan's in the glasses, and, and Bob's got the, uh, he's got the cafe look going um, <laughs> with the backdrop. Uh, we got to love it. Um, gentlemen, we, uh, I have not put it on the screen yet. I am saving it, but we have done a little bit more work on the men's side. Let me just quickly recap who we had selected so far, and then we can talk about who we had coming up. Um, we slam-dunked 11. That was Hamilton, Wesleyan, Platteville, Whitman, Swarthmore, St. John's, Middlebury, Worcester, Marietta, New Jersey, uh, New Jersey City. I should fix that on our graphic. And Emory. Um, we then picked uh, CNU, and then we then picked Oshkosh. We then picked three more after that. And guys, would you like to discuss at least kind of where our conversations went from there? Yeah, we felt like that we uh, we, we got to sort of a debate in that round number fourteen between Albright and St. Olaf. So that's where we were in, in, in 14. So we always try to eliminate, we, we try to get these down to two in each round. Albright has a better winning percentage. Um, St. Olaf though, Ryan, we dug into the three wins. Yes. The, the three, and those three wins were very impressive wins. Yeah, we had uh, Stevens Point, St. John's, and Augsburg uh, for the three wins that St. Olaf has. Um, Albright, as we mentioned before, it was TCNJ, um, Lycoming, not Lyco, TCNJ, Lebanon Valley, and Franklin and Marshall, which were not quite as impressive. Uh, and so we went with St. Olaf for the, the next pick. And so then that brought us uh, to a situation where Loris, the Dewhawks, hit the board in round 15. And uh, our conversation around 15, remind me, Ryan, we were uh, we were zeroing in right back on Albright. And I, I think we kind of pretty quickly started to land on Albright in round 15. That's who we who we picked. And I don't think we had much of a debate there. We didn't. The, the Loris uh, wins versus regionally ranked opponents were, were not nearly as impressive. Um, we thought Albright had the better resume and we went we went that direction. But we did start talking about Loris here. Yes. So in, in round 15, we started talking about Loris. We picked Albright. We replaced Albright in round 16 in the Mid-Atlantic with Franklin and Marshall. And uh, this is what I mentioned earlier, that the Mid-Atlantic is really deep in this Pool C process. We started looking at all of the teams. And similarly, we went right to Franklin and Marshall. We felt like every other resume was flawed in some sort of way. And that Franklin and Marshall was very clearly the, the round 16 pick. And in, in, I mean, in, in just to lay it out there, Franklin and Marshall has a better overall resume than Albright. We think Albright is at the table first because Albright has a head-to-head -head victory. But ultimately, I think Franklin and Marshall's resume is just as strong, if not stronger, um, especially when they're not being compared to each other. So that was an easy pick next. So where that leaves us is round 17. And I guess we'll officially declare that this is where we feel the bubble starts because these, these next several picks, 17 to 21, as we now look at the board and the, the teams are, and you can, again, the Pool C board, we have an updated thread if you just hit refresh. Gwynedd Mercy, North Central, Hobart, Ohio Wesleyan, Lycoming, Amherst, East Texas Baptist, and Loris. All of these teams are starting to have, um, you know, flawed resumes in some way. We've, we've picked the easy ones. We, we took 11 at the top. We've made one, two, three, four, five since then. And now it'll be a little bit of a grind. So now you're trading things off and saying, okay, they have a lower winning percentage, but they have this. and Or they have a really high winning percentage, but they have this. And that's kind of where we are in the process. 
Yeah, it's it's not fun. This is the part where you say we have to pick five more teams, and there's a lot of teams we don't pick who will have an argument, and that's just the way it goes at the bottom. That is the truth, I, <clears throat> um, to say the it, least. As we try to get to, to two teams here, um, this is where it gets tough. Um, again, we're, we're now to the point we can't find a perfect resume because, like, you have Gwyneth Mercy with a 518 SOS. You've got Hobart with one regional win um, or, or win over a ranked team. Um, everyone's got some number that you can point to. Did we reset the table yet? Did we run down those? We, we yeah, Gwen and Mercy, North Central, Hobart, Ohio Wesleyan, Lycoming, Amherst, ETBU, and Loris. Right. Sorry, guys. What do you guys think? Trying to get down to two here. What, to, what are your thoughts on which two? So my question comes in. In the past, we've talked about this ratio that the committee has used that uh, 0.03 on the SOS equals roughly two wins. Um, the reason I bring that up is because if we're looking at a team like North Central with a 563 uh, SOS, we also can look down at East Texas Baptist, who has about 0.03 lower and three extra wins. So this is where we start talking about how closely we think the committee is going to hold to that ratio this year. We think maybe a little less than they have in the past. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dave? My my thinking is the .03 to two is is a good number. I think they like that. I don't think it trumps everything. I think in the past it's trumped everything. Does that make sense? Um, so I don't think it trumps it. I don't think after that it, it means anything. I don't think the .06 right. to four has any relevance anymore. I know a couple of years ago we went as we were even talking about .0 what was it .09 to to six. Uh, I think that's gone to the extreme, and, and I think they've backed off of that. But I think the .03 to 2 is in existence, but I don't think they look at that, see the shift, go, okay, that's easy, and then ignore everything else. And, I, and I'm not saying everybody else ignored things. I just think that it took on such a prevalence that it took on its own kind of world, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I think it's still there, but I think they only readjust the numbers, and then they go look at everything else still, if that makes sense. And, and in that particular case, I still think the, the results versus regionally ranked opponents would keep North Central ahead of, of ETBU in that situation. Yeah, to me, I'm looking at North Central and ETBU. I think we made a good call putting ETBU higher than Letourneau because I don't think we'd be talking about Letourneau here. So I'm interested to see how this plays out for real. But North Central with 564 and, and the 4 and 5, to yep. me, will trump ETBU's seven fifty five thirty eight and two and six. Like I'm looking for differentiators at this point in the process, and that jumps out. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Remind me again, sure. Bob, what you think's jumping out? North Central's five sixty four, and their four and five RRO, both the four part of it. And even the the nine part of it, I think that the especially the five sixty four and the four wins, ETBU five thirty eight and two wins, and I don't think it's quite time to talk about Loris yet. Although we're getting close to that, but I don't think they're quite in the conversation yet. I don't think right we're ready to talk about Amherst with six eighty, but then Ohio Wesleyan at six seventy nine. Hobart with one RRO, um, 
The the one thing we have to consider with that number from North Central, those four wins are two wins against Wheaton and two wins against Illinois Wesleyan. Neither team is at the table yet. So these are lower ranked yeah. teams. There's True, six but... losses. Um, See, that's you know, right. I'm wondering like Augustana the, uh, and Whitworth and things, but the the four wins they have are not the most impressive four. Yeah, they're not they're not against Augustana. Um, now, Illinois Wesleyan's the co-champ of the CCIW, so I think you you, you look at those two wins, the Wheaton wins. Um, you're right; it's not earlier we pointed to some wins against top teams in a region, yep. and so we're definitely not looking at a win over Augustana here. Here's the one caveat I'm going to throw at this. Amherst four and six is against some high ranking teams. And that six eighty may not seem much, but it's only a difference of one win. You know, North Central's eighteen and eight. Amherst is seventeen and eight. Um yeah. the SOS is in Amherst's favorite five seventy versus a five sixty four, which to be honest with you, we all know is kind of a wash. It's actually equal. But that four and six for Amherst is a better resume, I think than North Central's, and I'm wondering if now Amherst is really actually the better positioned team here, believe it or not, because that difference in the win-loss percentage is literally one one win. Yeah, it's a matter of, you know, when, when we've gone through this in the past, it's always like winning percentage has a little bit higher weighting, then you get into the other stuff. Well, we're to the point now where we're, we're dealing with flawed resumes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is North Central 692 enough of a difference over Amherst 680 with the other numbers being very close? That's the question, and I don't know the answer. Um, it's close. Here's another thought. The four so, wins, as you pointed out, for Illinois West, I mean, for North Central, were Illinois West and Wheaton. It's two teams. For Amherst, it's their four wins come more teams uh there's well it, it's springfield right and then it's uh hamilton williams and middlebury right which are three of the top four teams in the northeast region which is why i'm starting to lean a little on amherst here believe it or not and anybody out there knows i'm probably rolling my eyes a little bit because i couldn't believe they made the tournament last year either but <laughs> there that results versus is a higher resume number not just in in raw number but i mean in actual results than North Central's, who's everybody behind them. And I would argue, yeah, you should be winning those games. Whereas at least Amherst, who also has a couple losses up, up higher as well, but at least they're playing teams that are higher ranked. I'd say North Central and Amherst, yeah, I'm starting to swing to, and I didn't think we'd be talking about Amherst this, this early. Um, no, but it, I think it's right. I think I hadn't realized that those four wins for North Central were against who they were against. And if we're just going strictly by what the the regional rankings are, which I believe is what the committee does, I feel like Amherst has the stronger case here. I I, I can't believe it, but I'm saying I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, what do you think, Dave? What do you think, Amherst? In I'm here? thinking Amherst, believe it or not, because those though, that the the wins that they have are better wins. Even their losses are better losses. I mean, well, North Some Central of lost to Augustana. <laughs> I mean, you could maybe we could and like, Whitworth and Whitworth. Yeah, so North Central lost to Augustana three times, mm -hmm. 
and to Whitworth once. I think you also have to look at the yep. losses yep. there. Like, absolutely. I would, and Amherst lost to Wesleyan twice. Um, I might make the argument that they lost to Augustana three times, and the committee might say, "Well, yeah, you you just didn't win." Um, you know, this is where this is interesting. This is uh, an interesting time to have this conversation. Is we talked about the North Central Illinois Wesleyan order. I think we all agreed on that. If you had Illinois Wesleyan at the board right now with 731, 550, and 3 and 6 with a win over Augustana, I think Illinois Wesleyan would be more competitive on the board right now um, than North Central. And so it's just an, it, it's an interesting how the process works type of moment to look at that right here, right? Because well, it's, I, yeah. It's the similar thing to what we talked about with Albright and Franklin and Marshall. I think Franklin and Marshall had a better resume, but the head to head kept them off the board. It's probably the same thing happening here. Yeah, I think right here in this round, if Illinois Wesleyan was on the board, would probably have the best case, but they're not on the board. Yeah. And That's fascinating, isn't it? it? It really is, yeah. Yeah, because North Central had a better resume against them. And that's where sometimes that conversation of the committees try and do the best by their own regions, and granted the National Committee ultimately trumps them. Sometimes it doesn't actually work out that way because you don't know what you're going to be up against resume wise um yeah i'm kind of leaning towards amherst here i can't uh, would that be would that be nescac number five i believe it is isn't yeah, it that'd be nescac number five can we just say no no i'm, I'm kidding nescac fans i'm kidding don't get don't go crazy on me um is that where we're leaning then? I think we got to put Amherst in. I think we're going Amherst. All right. So Amherst finds their way into the tournament as they did last year, though this year finishing much stronger than they did last year, admittedly. Um, was that round 17? That was round 17, sir. And so let's Is that see. yours, Brian? Is yours chirping? I'm trying to figure out why my slack is chirping. I, don't I think shut so. it up. Mine just doesn't want to listen to me, I think. Told it to be quiet a few times. I think it just wants to ignore me. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope it's not bugging anybody out there, little chirps as we talk behind the scenes as well. All right, so we move so Amherst in, which puts Springfield, I believe, at the table. Is that, am I correct, sir? Yes. Springfield would be the next team up. And I think we probably start round 18 with the conversation of, okay, we were talking North Central, so it's who's your, who are we comparing North Central to in this round? Probably got to be Springfield, I would think. They have very similar numbers. So let's North Central Springfield. So 692, 692, 564 versus 558. Yeah. And four and five versus four and two. So we've got uh, Springfield's four wins. I'm just double checking to make sure I have the right uh, idea going on here. We yeah, don't want so Amherst because we talked about it. Well, they um, Amherst was ahead of them because. Amherst beat them. So their four wins are actually Keene State, Wesleyan, and then MIT twice. 
So I, I don't think that those are on a comparable level with what North Central has put uh, out. Yeah, I think with North Central, I, I do take into account, you could look at it either, either way, but they did lose to the number one team in the region three times. I guess I'm viewing that positively. Someone could say that's, that's negative. But the two wins over Illinois Wesleyan, that's the CCIW co-champ, I think is better than anything that's Springfield has going there. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Welcome I to the bubble, folks. This is, this is what the – I mean – this is why, you know, at the end of the deal, if your team makes it or not, like, this is hard. Like, we're having a hard time making these picks, and this is what it's like. How many more do we have? <laughs> this is 18, so we'll have 19, 20, 21, but I, I don't – yeah. I think North Central's the next one. At what point does Hobart at least get in the conversation with that win-loss percentage? Not yet. I mean – I think it's got to be, we'll put North Central in. We already talked about IWU having a better resume. We probably put those two in next, and then Hobart's what we got to talk about. Well, because I'm just thinking, if we play the uh, SOS game, Hobart to North Central, they become even in the win-loss. Those regionally ranked, I mean, that... And that's, that's why I'm wondering. Is, yep, that's why I'm, I'm having the conversation. That's why yeah. I'm wondering if the four and five now trumps the one and two. I think it does. Yeah. I think that's the same argument with ETBU as well, that their regional ranking is not good enough when you when you figure in, that in. Yeah, because that 21 and eight's jumping out at you too, isn't it? Is that right? Mm-hmm. 21 and eight? They play four games in the conference tournament? That seems like an extra an extra win for them. They yes. played three games in the conference tournament. Extra win or a loss somewhere. Let me look this up here. ETBU is twenty one and seven. Ah, okay. So that actually bumps their winning percentage a little bit. Seven fifty stays the same. Just type okay. it. Yeah, it's it's just so what's the record? Twenty one and seven. It's just a typo. And seven. So twenty-one and seven, but the eight oh eight is correct. Yeah, is that what we're saying? We're talking about ETBU. ETBU is twenty-one and seven with a seven fifty. We're just double checking. It looked the number looked wrong to us. I'm sorry. Let me double check that. So ETBU is twenty-one and seven. Yep. Yes. And the percentage stays the same. What's Hobart, guys? Hobart is uh, twenty-one and five. So yeah, I. I think we put North Central in here, right? Have we decided on that? or? I think North Central's 4 and 5, 564 would be the separator here in round 18. I'm just looking through it real quick. How's it compared to, well, Loris at 2 and 3 with a 543 and a 731? I mean, you're... I don't think Loris is is in that conversation yet. I think it's still North Central versus Springfield, and I like North Central better. I agree with that. See, the funny thing is, I, I think, mm, yeah, hmm. 
So we're saying having three extra losses for North Central is better than Springfield's four and two? The the four the four wins the wins are better for North Central than they are for Springfield. Springfield's wins are are, are Keene, Wesleyan, and then MIT twice. Hmm. Uh, that Wesleyan win's pretty big. It's better than North Central's got. Yeah, but I don't know that the one trumps everything else. You know, if you're starting to split hairs, it might. What's their non-conference SOSs look like? Uh, Springfield's non-conference SOS. And by the way, while I was pulling that up, uh, North Central needs to stop playing NAI teams yes. because if they, didn't, if they didn't play Robert Morris Chicago, if they had a regional win instead of Robert Morris Chicago, I agree. we wouldn't be grinding out there. So I know there's probably a reason why North Central played Robert Morris Chicago and they couldn't find a game and they had to sign a home and home, but that's a killer. Yeah. And it, I think it hurt them last year too. And yep. uh, I'm all, look, I'm a fan of small college basketball. I like matchups with Olivet Nazarene and St. Xavier and Robert Morris, but we've moved past those days and it's a killer. So the non-conference just for the record. Yeah, non-conference SOS is pretty similar too. I mean, I think when we get to the point where you're talking about Springfield had less losses versus regional opponents, you can't really fault North Central for having good teams in their conference. Chris Mitchell saying he's just made enough chicken on the grill for three who's hungry. That's just rubbing it in. Chris, shouldn't you be suffering in the loss from yesterday somehow? Hey, his team is going to the dance. The, no one sitting with a pool A right now is feeling all that bad, That's right? True. So That's true. Our friend Chris is tough loss at Chicago, but he's grilling, feeling good about the big dance. That's, <laughs> That's what true. I'm yeah, I'm torn here on this one. I'm torn. I... I I'm leaning towards Springfield for these two reasons. Their non-conference SOS is about 0 .15, 0 0.015 better. I know that's not significant, but it's better. And that win that they have over Wesleyan, I think, trumps what North Central did, who didn't win against anybody higher ranked than themselves. I'm with North Central. I think I'm with where Ryan is. I'm, I'm North Central, too, I think. We'll, uh, we'll note your objection, Dave. And so the same way that I, that I wanted Oshkosh in last year and you guys overruled me, maybe you'll come out ahead this time. That's true. I oh, remember great. That. I'll take solace tomorrow <laughs> while looking at the bracket at 930 in the morning and I can't say anything to you. you All right, we'll take like North Central. I mean, we don't need to belabor everything. or something and we'll understand what's going on. What'd you say? On. said you can send me a nasty emoji or something and I'll understand what that means. <laughs> Uh, North Central in, and they We've will be replaced 19. by whom? Illinois Wesleyan will be the next one up. I W. Now, Bob, <clears throat> you have to get off the call. <laughs> I, have to, I have to recuse myself because I thought they should have been picked number one uh, in this process. <laughs> and I uh, was on vacation last week and don't know any results that Illinois Wesleyan played last week. So uh, Yeah, nothing, right? Nothing at all. You don't have any idea. Um, the board is the round nineteen board is 
and this is all on the Pool C site, Gwynedd Mercy, Illinois Wesleyan, Hobart, Ohio Wesleyan, Lycoming, Springfield, East Texas Baptist, and Loris. All right, so here we go. We got one more interview we could get in here, but I want you guys to discuss while I set that interview up. Um, actually, I could do it during the break. But uh, we have one more interview to get going, um, so we have an opportunity here to run that. Um, while we get, we have three picks left to go here for the show uh, on the men's side of things. Uh, we still have to hear from uh, Dale Wellerman from Nebraska Wesleyan, who qualified for the tournament. So we want to do that now. Um, so we've got the scrolling on the bottom. We can't keep that rolling for the interview, so we'll do the work behind the scenes. But this is also where we start bashing our heads into the ground, um, trying to figure it all out. Um, and also, I've got some stuff behind the scenes we should check. just check with you guys on. Um, but we're good so far with these 18? We're good with 18. All right. Well, uh, here, I'll jump off here real quick. There, there we go. All right, so that's what we got so far. Um, men's um, picks so far and uh, who's at the table. We will work behind the scenes a little bit more like we did last time. While you listen to Dale Willerman from North Wesleyan, or North Wesleyan, Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, to talk about his squads, Prairie Wolves, uh, Prairie Wolves getting into the tournament. Then we'll come back and tell you where we stood, how many picks we did or did not get done, and where we're stuck, and how we can wrap it up. Don't forget, we still have women's picks ahead. Um, Gordon Mann, uh, BJ Spiegelmeyer, and, and James Wagner will join us to do that. So that's still all ahead. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. 
that's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Selection Sunday special here, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We're going to take another opportunity to talk to a head coach here while we continue our selection process behind the scenes. Uh, Bob Quillman, Ryan um, Scott, and myself doing all the heavy lifting there behind the scenes. We'll get you our results, as it were, as we move along, as we come back from this segment especially, and see where we stand when we are done. Another one of those teams that got the automatic bid and is not in this conversation about at-large bids, but would have been had they not, which is the Prairie Wolves of Nebraska Wesleyan. Interesting season. Ends at 24-3 and in the regular season, 13-3 and in conference play. What to make of the Prairie Wolves as they're in their second full season of Division Three only basketball? Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Dale Wellman. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, Dave, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations, first and foremost, on, on the automatic bid here. You guys won, uh, I believe it's seven straight now with the win over Central. Second time you played them in 10 days. Uh, second time you played Warburg in 12 days. It was a Warburg Central finale for you guys. Um, and the result the Hoopsville the- Selection Sunday special here, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We're going to take another opportunity to talk to a head coach here while we continue our selection process behind the scenes. Uh, Bob Quillman, Ryan um, Scott, and myself doing all the heavy lifting there behind the scenes. We'll get you our results, as it were, as we move along, as we come back from this segment especially, and see where we stand when we are done. Another one of those teams that got the automatic bid and is not in this conversation about at-large bids, but would have been had they not, which is the Prairie Wolves of Nebraska Wesleyan. Interesting season. Ends at 24-3 and in the regular season, 13-3 and in conference play. What to make of the Prairie Wolves as they're in their second full season of Division Three only basketball? Well, joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline, it's their head coach, Dale Wellman. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Oh, Dave, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Congratulations, first and foremost, on, on the automatic bid here. You guys won, uh, I believe it's seven straight now with the win over Central. Second time you played them in 10 days. Uh, second time you played Warburg in 12 days. It was a Warburg Central finale for you guys. Um, and the results were the same in all four games. Win, 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 win. Um, but it wasn't It wasn't easy. Central took you right down to the wire here on, on Saturday night. Absolutely. No, it was a tough game. Um, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that there's a time with about 10, 11 minutes to go. I felt like it was slipping away a little bit. Uh, I got a technical call and, and uh, we took a timeout and, and just kind of talked to our team and said, hey, uh, I think they knew the situation a little bit. I said, you guys upset? I'm upset. I'm upset the way the whole night's going. Um, there's only one way. we and, and they all agreed that they were upset. So there's only one way we can do it. And then it's to change it here in the last 10 minutes. So that's going to be it. And um you know, uh, I was really proud of the way they, they responded, came out, and uh, just no give up, you know, down 18. And then we fought back, and we got stops coming down the stretch and were able to make free throws and, and uh, you know, really kind of a, a magical night for, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember it. I'm sure those guys will as well. It's, it was obviously a lot of fun. And, and, I mean, Central, I think going into the game the last three years, they were 7-1 and one, um, uh, in the uh, IAC tournament that they've, I mean, they're coached extremely well, and they obviously know what to do in the postseason. So to be able to do it against them, um, you know, I was really proud of the way our guys handled it. 
Yeah, well, it's certainly impressive. You guys had some bumps in the IAC. I mean, you guys came in to the conference schedule kind of on a tear. Now, granted, you had played Simpson and Central earlier in the season and had gotten wins, but you came into your game against Buena Vista on January 3rd undefeated, looking pretty good, and Buena Vista seemed to thump you a little bit. And then two games later, Loris in overtime kind of reminded you guys uh, of where you guys were. How rough was that from your vantage point? On the outside looking in, I remember kind of going, ouch, that's maybe not the best way to have that conference you know, schedule working out for you right now. Right. And, you know, you know, I think going into it, um, you know, I think our guys were riding a little high. And uh, to get knocked off at home against BV, I think, was definitely a, a shot in the arm. And then, you know, going to – Going to Loris and losing in overtime, um, you know, I didn't think it was our best game, but Loris was an awfully good uh, basketball team and, and took them to overtime and lost. But I think looking back, the, the thing was is we lost Nate Shimonitz, uh in our exhibition game right before our first day uh, game of the season. And um, Nate's obviously a big part of our team, leading scorer right now. And we had lost him for the first 10 games. Uh, and he came back and, and we worked him in a little bit. Uh, the BV game was only his second game. I think the Loris game was his fourth game. Uh, and he just wasn't uh, back yet. He was still trying to uh, um, get back to 100%. I think, you know, lately uh, we've been able to see what Nate's been able to do. He's had 30 points multiple times, had 31 last night against Central. But he just wasn't back yet. He's obviously an important part of, of what we're trying to do. Um, and, and by no means did I think that we were going to go through the, the IAC with, uh, uh, without losing a game. Um, you know, I, it's too good of a conference or too many good coaches and players. Um, but having those two losses within three games, I think, uh, uh, helped us um, kind of figure out what we needed to do. Uh, and we went back as coaches and reevaluated things. And, and um, you know, and Shim came along, Shim and Itz came along, and, uh, and, and I think everybody understood their role a little bit more once, uh, you know, once we tried to work Shim back in after, uh, you know, after playing okay, uh, you know, without him for the first 10 games. The other thing that I found interesting, too, was the conference. Uh, it seemed to be, at, a re- uh, at one point, a revolving door at the top. Warburg certainly was getting plenty of love at the start of the season and were playing really well, but then up losing nine games in the second half of the season. Buena Vista looked like they were strong at the beginning of the year. They lose seven games in the second half of the season. You guys, and that's, I think, that maybe some of us top 25 voters got a little concerned, was that your, your non-conference schedule wasn't, to be honest, anything to write home about. But then you lost two of your three games in the conference schedule in January, and I think a lot of us went, okay, maybe this is the same thing happening as it's happening to everybody else. You guys somehow righted the ship, though. You guys at least finished strong in conference play. What did you find that was working and, and to stay above the fray, as it were? Uh, well, you know, first of all, I think it's, you know, I feel like the – and I paid attention to the uh, Iowa conference here before we got in it uh, when we know yeah. we were going to go in. Right. And, you know, I think for the past three years, um, that's what the top of the Iowa conference has been. I mean, it's just there's a lot of parity in conference. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you have to figure out what your team's doing well, uh, tweak things offensively and defensively, and, and um, you know, hopefully that you peak at the right time. So the fact that we had some different teams at the top, I don't think surprised me going into mm-hmm. uh, um conference play or, or this season there's just too many good teams too many good coaches um you know i i think again a big thing was you know we got sheminance back and i mm-hmm. think that helped us and once he started playing uh like we knew he could play like he played last year and and like he was playing in the preseason um and then the other guys uh began to you know when he's playing 30 minutes a game and, and he wasn't playing before other people's roles changed a little bit mm-hmm. and they began to understand that and then we 
tweak their offense a little bit and uh, move some guys around to some different positions. And, and defensively, we're doing things completely different than we did the first half of the year. So uh, uh, once we got those and then got a few wins, we built some confidence. And, uh, um, you know, we, we're not the type of team that sets a lot of goals. Um, I'm probably a minority of coaches uh, that are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing we wanted to do and we preached on was uh, doing something special uh, this year. So that, that was kind of our uh, – think that we went on that and embraced the challenge. We knew that we were preseason pick number one in the conference. Yeah. And, you know, we have a bunch of competitive kids on our team. And uh, we just we knew we'd have a big X on our back because of that. And and we preached those two things throughout the year. And, and fortunately, you know, we uh, got a clicking at the right time. Well, it's interesting. You, you talk about Shimonets. 17 points a game in 17 games that he's played, 15 starts. Uh, he shoots 52% from the floor, 39% from beyond the arc. A really good shooter from the free throw line at 79.5%. Four rebounds a game, but also 5.2 assists per game. This is an offense, though. You look at that, 17 points a game. Okay, but you guys score 96 points a game. Outscore your opponents by 18. You have five guys in double figures. Shimonitz is leading the way. I'm sorry, six guys. It's five others in double figures. Cooper Cook at 16 points a game. Ryan Garver at 14 and a half. Uh, Jack Hiller at 13 points a game. Deion Wells-Ross at 12 and a half. Nate uh, Bay at 10 points a game. You have a ton of options on a really high-scoring team that isn't a Grinnell-like offense, who, ironically enough, you did play this year. Um how do you get that all to work in sync? Well, I, I think it's a testament to the guys on our team. Uh, I mean, there, there's no question that those guys could play at other places, um, you know, around here in Nebraska or some other Division three schools and, and average more points. But I think the chemistry, and, and by no means we're the only team with great chemistry, but the chemistry is unbelievable on this team. And I, don't, I think the guys come in every day like, you know, they like to play together. They like to be around each other. And when they go out on the court, um, you know, I don't think anyone's trying, uh, you know, to, to outscore or to be the man, and they're just going out there. And if somebody has a bad game, it's nice to have six guys that average double figures. Yeah. Uh, you know, against Wartburg in the first half, um, yeah, not everyone was, was playing well, but uh, Nate Balk, he came off the bench and had 24 points in the first half. Um, so it's nice if one guy's having a bad game, you know, you can have a couple other guys that that can, um, you know, step up a little bit and, and, and play. So, but, yeah, and, and I think, you know, we, we run Princeton offense, which is kind of weird, you know. Uh, For 98 you know, points, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we, we run Princeton, and I, I think the nice thing about Princeton is, um, I mean, you do share the ball a lot, the, and you need to be able to hit the right guy, and we have a lot of cutters and guys driving and shooting threes that the ball's not in one person's hands the entire time. Um, so I think it's, you know, a testament to our guys, and, and our system a little bit, I think, allows for, uh, you know, multiple guys to go out there and score. I'm assuming now, two seasons in, you're comfortable now with what the new D3 life is versus the hybrid you guys have been doing for so long. Right. And, and I, you know, I've always been a D3 guy. I played right. D3. And I was an assistant. I was a head coach for six years over in New York. Um, so I'm familiar with it and, and love it. Obviously, I'm a D3 guy, a D3 lifer. And, um, you know, it's great. And I think the, uh, yeah, the guys understand it now. I think last year, you know, because they're so used to NAIA out here, uh, they kind of understand what the landscape's like a little bit and, and the way the postseason landscape is now. They followed it probably closer to this year than they did last year. Um, so it's, no, we're, we're very, we feel very at home in the Iowa Conference after two years. And, and, and not because we've had some success, just because I think it's, it's really the best fit for the, the school and the athletic program. And, and I really enjoy, I mean, it's great competition every night. So I really enjoy it. Well, the IAC is certainly, w- 
I don't know if it's because of your coming along, but the whole conference has gotten more competitive in, in men's basketball as well. I think it might be just happenstance. It's fun to see, and it certainly kept us uh, interested a little bit more uh, than we have been in the past, and I'm, I, I enjoy that myself. Uh, Coach, congratulations again on making the NCAA tournament. Look forward to seeing where the Prairie Wolves get slotted and, and how you guys end up doing, especially in the first weekend. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, no. No, I, I, you know, we're obviously excited to be in our first D3 tournament in, uh, in um, you know, a long time. Uh, we've always been a D3 program. I, we we kind of get the misconception a little bit that we went NAIA there for a little bit, but we've always been Division III, um, so we're happy to be back and, and to be back in the uh, national tournament. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – and, and along with the strength of schedule, I know that's been discussed a lot with us uh, this year. Um, you know, it's a tough location for us to be in. Uh, it was kind of perfect storm for everything with scheduling, and, and I know our strength of schedule wasn't great. Um, but it's really hard for us to get some, uh, get some games out in Nebraska and, and uh, probably would have liked to do one or two things differently this year. But just our location is, is, is really tough to, to get some games within five hours. Uh, we have one non-conference Division three team, and that's that's actually Grinnell. Um, so we're you know we're, we're always on the road, and we're always trying to get teams to come to our tournament and uh, good teams to come to our tournament. So uh, if any other D threes are listening, uh, you know we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you in the future. Perfect. Uh, hey, we'd love to have you in Vegas if you want to come to the D three Hoops dot com Classic sometime. Absolutely, I'd love to talk well, to you. There about we that. go. We'll do. It. We'll do that. Coach, congratulations again. Look forward to seeing how, as I said, what happens and uh, enjoy it. Hey, thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Dale Wellman joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, first trip back in a long time for the Prairie Wolves. You might remember, program has a runner-up uh, trophy in their case in Division Three. See what they can do in the tournament this year. They're on a roll right now. We'll see how the 24-3 and Prairie Wolves do. We're going to come back and return to live programming, see what we've done with selections. You're watching the Hoopsville Selection Show special Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will when we return as we get back on the air live with Mock Selections. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division III allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. 
Division III in athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. You just saw me talking without a microphone. Now we got it working. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we continue to roll along here with our men's selections. Women's will be coming up shortly. Um, probably starting the women's in about 20 or so minutes, as I think we're going to be wrapping up the men's here relatively soon. Uh, we'll bring the guys back in here. Where did we leave off, guys? Do you remember on our... Um... North Central was in, in spot 18 was okay. the last pick that we made here today. All right, very good. So we picked North Central last. Um, we have made two picks left, and we've got one to go. So um, before I reveal it on the screen, gentlemen, would you like to, one of you, like to discuss what we ended up doing? Yeah, Ryan, why don't you take it, as I had to recuse myself from the uh, conversation for round 19. <laughs> so what we decided to do was to put Illinois Wesleyan in next. Uh, we are comparing Illinois Wesleyan with Springfield. Illinois Wesleyan has a higher winning percentage with 731. Um, the SOS is slightly lower, but not a lot. It was 550 to 558. And ultimately, we felt that the three wins that Illinois Wesleyan had against regionally ranked opponents were better than the four that Springfield had when you compare that with the winning percentage. Um, those together, we, we slightly, albeit, picked Illinois Wesleyan as the next spot. And then in, in round 20, we replaced Illinois Wesleyan with, with River Falls. And we have just had a spirited debate in round 20. And the teams that we've been discussing have been uh, Springfield and River Falls. I don't think there was anyone else that we really discussed there, right, guys? It was Springfield and River Falls. Yeah. That was it. And uh, Ryan and I leaned one way and Dave leaned another. So Dave has filed another protest but ryan and i voted to put in river falls in 20 and, and it was six and it, this is all updated on the thread 667 a lower winning percentage than springfield 692 but 589 sos versus 558 and river falls three wins were platteville platteville st olaf and we felt that that was better than springfield's mix of wins and I, so Ryan and I leaned towards River Falls, and Dave wanted I did not. I and, leaned towards Springfield. Is one, this is one that is truly a toss-up. I toss mean, up. you could make the case for Springfield. If they pick Springfield and River Falls isn't in there, I won't be surprised one bit. Yeah, I, I, um, I felt that Springfield's four wins over Platteville's seven losses in region at some point, you need to reward for playing and winning. And this is the same argument we could make that we were making with Oshkosh last year. At some point, I feel you need to be rewarded for winning. And I don't know if River Falls 
uh, is getting that. He's getting that. I think you guys aren't doing that. I think you're rewarding them for for more of who they played and not the fact that they lost to those teams. I agree. Platteville wins. Don't get me wrong. I just think four and two, Springfield with a win over a Wesleyan, which I think is equates to a Platteville um, in their regions, is why I would have gone with Springfield. Um, and again, three and seven. Great. You played ten games, but you lost seven of them uh, in regionally ranked. Great. You know, I don't think you accomplished anything well, there. Is my, is my argument? Well, we also can look at then. River Falls only lost to one team that wasn't regionally ranked, and Springfield lost to six of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you just lost that one, Dave. I think he just got <laughs> you on that one. Uh-huh. Sure, you could. If you're playing that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's this is a toss-up. I, both of these teams should have won more games, and they would be safe. oh great that that really was helpful for you thank thank, thank you sir if you're a parent of a river falls uh student athlete this is where we tell you do not book any hotels or or take our word team is in this is no this is the end of the bubble right here yes please don't please by all means don't just assume that because we picked them this is where we start to get them wrong all the time only once have we gotten it right and this is where it starts to fall apart Actually, it could have, you could argue it fell apart earlier. Now, with all that said, gentlemen, I think we need to make a change that I don't think has affected our decisions as of yet. But I think we need to make a change based on information we've gleaned out of the Great Lakes. And I think we've updated that on the board, Dave, and we have moved Ohio Northern in instead of Ohio Wesleyan. It hasn't changed anything we've done here, but we're going to evaluate Ohio Northern at the end here. We uh, we believe that Ohio Northern is ranked higher than Ohio Wesleyan. Yeah, information that we have gathered is that the Great Lakes Committee was much more high on Ohio Northern uh, out of the uh, NCAC, right? Or OAC. I always do that. It's OAC. 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 Yeah, that's right. OAC. NCAC is uh, Whitburg, Wittenberg, uh, Worcester, and the rest. Um, is that their resume by the Great Lakes region uh, was a stronger argument than Ohio Wesleyan's. And that unless the National Committee changed that, and we don't know, but that the entire Great Lakes Committee felt that way. Uh, again, I don't think it would have affected anything at this point. Um, we're splitting hairs even there in that region. But Ohio Northern at least getting uh, accomplished what they did, and that's getting all the way to the title game against John Carroll. It looks like they've been at the table in the Great Lakes region. So yeah. we are updating the, our point of view on that. We were going with the strength of schedule, which Ohio Wesleyan has by about .015. Um, it seems like if the committee went the way they did, they're going by an extra regionally ranked win. Um I would say Ohio Northern's regional ranked wins are, are a little bit better, and maybe that's what they're going with. So as we evaluate round 21 then, final round, this is it. If this was The Bachelor, this is where Chris Harrison would come in, and he'd tell you this is the final rose. Um, don't don't judge me, guys, for using that just now. <laughs> I don't so know what you're talking about. Well, no judging. No judging. Round 21, Gwen and Mercy. Rippin. I put Rippin in. Yeah. It's yeah, I think it's Rippin here. Um, seven twenty five forty one one and two. So Gwyneth Mercy, Rippin, Hobart, Ohio Northern, Lycoming, Springfield, East Texas Baptist, and Loris. One of those is your final team into the field. 
So you're saying ripping instead of wheat, and I had that on the screen. I'm just updating. Yeah. So wheat, I just want to yeah, make I'm, sure I've got my screen correct. We got Gwinnett, Ripon, Hobart, Ohio Northern, Lycoming, Springfield, ETBU, Loris. Here's yeah. here's who I think it's not. It's not. <laughs> who do we not, not think it is? <laughs> it's not Lycoming, and it's not Ripon. Those two, I don't think it's. I don't think it's Hobart. I I think that one. The one RRO, I think that's a killer. Yeah, I'm not all that keen on that idea because I think Hobart's win-loss percentage at some point comes to the table here. I think Hobart's got a better case than Gwynedd. Here, there's there's a couple different pods here. In yeah. the low in the low SOS pod, who do you guys have higher between Springfield and Ohio Northern? Who wins that battle? I think it's Springfield. I believe it's Springfield. Of course, I thought Ohio Wesleyan was ahead of Ohio Northern, too. So I'm not sure what the actual committee is thinking about that. You're I believe Ohio Northern Springfield. I'm on Springfield side. Yeah. OK, so let's say that I think we all agree that Springfield, if we're picking one of those teams, Springfield is the one and Ohio Northern is out of the conversation. Yeah. If we compare Springfield, then there's another pod, which is Gwynedd, Loris, and ETBU. They're all kind of, they have these steady resumes, right? ETBU, 750, 538, 2 and 6. Loris, 731, 543, 2 and 3. Gwynedd, 769, 518, 2 and 3. I think I, Hobart. I mean, if we're concluding Gwinnett, I think Hobart's in there too. But uh. yeah, throw to me. I, let's throw Hobart in. I would eliminate Gwinnett because of the five eighteen, and I would eliminate Hobart because of the one and two. And I'd be, we're we're trying to pick a team to go up against Springfield here. So ETBU versus Loris, who wins? I've got ETBU. Better win loss percentage. With a SOS that's not really in the conversation, they both only have two wins, at least ETBU, considering they're in the ASC as well, played eight regional opponents. I would like to compare ETBU and Hobart. I okay. think those are a, sim a, a more similar resume than we, when we would like to think. Who do you guess between Hobart and ETBU, who would you pick? Uh, yeah, you're not allowed to ask that question. See, I would take ETBU there just because that one jumps out to me. I know it's 808, but I, 524. Let's remember, wasn't that long ago that Dickinson got in with a one and two? No, quite. Didn't, weren't they like something in one, though? No. They were in the middle of the Middle Atlantic pack that year. Yeah, I can't like remember. I'm seeing cool boards from 2007 in my head right now, and I can't, I can't keep track of all this stuff. I just remember the argument, that's all, because they yep. blocked out some others who were five and five in region. I I mean, I feel like the win percentage and the SOS offset each other. And I'm not all that convinced that... I mean, the one win for Hobart is Rochester. They had six losses, middle. at least, by the way, Bob. Or five. Five losses, I apologize. Five. Davis, for the record, Davis trying to win an argument from Dickinson uh, 17 years ago, guys. <laughs> no, I'm just bringing up the fact they had five losses that year. So... ETBU has the two regional wins, but those are both against Letourneau. I feel like 
Who did Loris beat, Ryan? Who are those two? Nebraska Wesleyan and Warburg, I believe. I can well, double check. Warburg, well, yeah, they're still in the conversation. I apologize. They may have slipped out of the regional rankings, but they were still there last week. Yeah, Nebraska Wesleyan and Warburg. Who's Hobart's win? Rochester. Oh, yeah, sorry. Rochester, UAA. Um, I'm not on the Hobart train. I've made that clear, so I will just say that I wouldn't vote for them, but if you gentlemen feel that uh, ultimately we're picking one team that we're going to stack against Springfield, and so that's what we're trying to get to. Um, so uh, can I ask the question, are we – picking the team that we would pick if we were the committee or are we picking the team we think the committee is going to pick we're picking the team that we would pick because we feel like we're we're smart dudes and that we're we're good at this and then we're going to compare it to what the committee does and so we're this is what we would do we're not trying to predict okay now we may not be smart dudes in reality (laughs) for this show for this hoopsville that's what we're going with i will say missed you bob missed you I think the committee would pick Hobart here, but I do not think they have the strongest resume. Who would Ryan pick? I'm going to have to recuse myself because I have to do a mock bracket, and I do not want another Texas team in my mock bracket. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm saying that that's going to bias me. I think... ETBU in the tournament could really ruin Whitman's chances here at hosting hey maybe i can make this one this easier is uh would any of these teams we're talking about hobart etb or loris would any of them win out for you over springfield because if springfield just wins out here we're wasting our time no not necessarily because i think i think you can make an argument against springfield with these guys too especially if you play the 0.03 0.03 to two game, you know. Yeah, I think it's Springfield versus ETBU. Yeah, I guess for me, there's there's not enough there's not enough separation. But like Loris and ETBU, that's really close for me. And the 750, I guess Trump 731. I guess ETBU. For me, it's ETBU and Springfield. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're talking 750, then I'm looking at that 808. Okay, I see what card you're playing there, Dave. I see that. 808 with but, a 526 versus a 750 but, and a 538. But those SOSs keep dropping. We're we're dropping 0.01 every time the Oh, I know. But I think that's up. what makes it I think that's what's making it hard. Something about that that 1 and 2. That's my hang Rochester 1 and 2 and I, I don't know. I'm not feeling the love on Hobart. I've said that uh, 17 times. No offense to <laughs> graduated from Hobart, uh, any of the Hobart players. I, I know you're all good. I just, uh, I'm not loving your resume. I don't, I feel like Hobart, ETBU, and Loris are very similar. If we're looking at the numbers. Because I don't think the <clears throat> results versus regionally ranked, just the two and six and the two and three don't impress me any more than the one and two does. I agree that those are all, when you really stack up, those are those those are all close. And I feel like Springfield's winning percentage is low enough that I don't think they're clearly better than any of those teams. 
whatever way the real committee goes on this decision, we're going to just say, uh, <laughs> we hear you. Because <laughs> right. I, yeah, we got it. Yep. Good. Thank you. You decided that hours before we did. <laughs> I suspect the committee might be done by now. I don't think Ohio Northern's in the conversation nope. here because I think Springfield trumps them. So I think it comes down to Springfield as kind of one option. And then whoever you think the hires between Hobart, ETB, and Loris, like I'm trying to get to where we're talking about just two. I I think ETBU. I'm at Springfield and ETBU. And and if you we can see those numbers lined up and it's close. <laughs> it's really close. Oh I'm just not sure they're gonna flat out ignore. How many Northeast teams are in, by the way? Can I can I get on a, a Northeast bandwagon here for Hobart's a second? Hobart's in the East, year. not in the Northeast. Less, less than last year. How yeah, many less Northeast than last are? year, and Hobart's not in the Northeast. No, but Springfield is. That's what he's saying. Oh. Would this be a good time to take pot shots at the NESCAP for not playing a double-round robin, or is that another Hoopsville day? That's probably another hoops, Hoopsville. We don't have time well, that for was, that. That was what we didn't talk about when we were considering River Falls. <laughs> yeah, because we have five NESCACs in, right? Yeah. So the NESCAC is just those five. That's so much better than all. The, okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. No, I, Sir, I, you know how I feel about that. So, I Dave, don't I'm disagree with you. To you. I think we eliminate Hobart because ETBU has put those numbers together also very recently, and I know the committee doesn't factor in when those things were happening, but they've been on a win streak. They played well this week. They got these wins. You know, their SOS went up this week. They got regionally ranked victories this week, and Hobart didn't. You're saying because of the recency of the wins? Uh, That's not a criteria, Mr. Ryan. Uh, I game, know. No, November 15th equals February 28th in Division Three. Violation. Well, but All right, I'm, hold on. Got a good suggestion from behind the scenes. How about we take a quick break, two and a half minutes, gives us a chance to make a decision and come back and finalize this. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right, so we'll do that because we're running behind time, too. But we're going to have to make a decision. I'm going to make these guys do it in two and a half minutes. We're going to make a decision, get it done with, and then we're going to get moving on to the women's thing before it gets too much longer. We are down to do the last pick. Who are we going to pick? We'll find out. We'll return when you're uh, here on the Hoopsville Selection Show. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. 
There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division Three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Try that again, all of it, with a microphone on this time. Down to the last pick, uh, 20 selected. we got eight regions left. Gwen in the Atlantic, Ripon in the Central, Hobart in the East, Ohio Northern the Great Lakes, Lycoming in the Mid-Atlantic, Springfield in the Northeast, ETBU in the South, Loris in the West, scrolling on the bottom of your screen. We have to make a final pick. Gentlemen. Here's what we did. So we said, Dave, you've been uh, talking about Hobart for a few breaks behind the scenes and stuff. And uh, you seem to be very passionate about Hobart. And we said, Dave, you know what, darn it? We can't agree. You make this pick because you've yelled at us for two other picks. And we gave it to Mr. Dave McHugh, the the founder and co-owner of Hoopsville. And Dave, who did you pick? I'm going with Hobart. And the reason I'm going with Hobart is simply on this. One, I think the 808 finally stands out enough. Yes, it's a 526 SOS, but it's not horrible. And the one and two, I've seen teams selected with one and twos in the past. Um, I know it's not great, it's not pretty, but they get selected right in this spot too. Um, I like ETVU's resume, but I think the extra losses hurt. I like uh, Springfield's resume, but the extra losses hurt. I'm leaning on Hobart with that 808. This year we've seen more of that win-loss percentage being rewarded as well. I think it's Hobart. And I'm I'm willing to go along because I think the committee's going to pick Hobart. I'd vote for ETBU, but I'm I'm okay with Hobart. I'm also comfortable with it because, as you guys saw, we just we spent 20 minutes trying to sort these out, and we can't. So to me, it's between about four teams here: uh, Springfield, ETBU, Loris, and Hobart. I don't think you can go go wrong here. So we went Hobart. Yep. So. It is what it is. It's not pretty. Um, it is not supposed to be pretty, and this is why they get, uh, well, they don't even get paid the big bucks to do it, do they? Um, but it was enjoyable all the same. Before I let you guys go, because uh, we'll go through the whole 21 picks here real quick, um, thoughts on what we expect from the tournament this year? 
I think it should be, uh, again, because of the parody, you're never going to know what's going to happen on any given night. Uh, truly, I, I meant what I said earlier. When you get to the second round, heck, even the first round, you're going to have a ton of even teams. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a great team in Division Three this year. I believe, in my opinion, the best team I have watched this year is Wittenberg. I believe Wittenberg mm-hmm. is a great team. I, I think there's several other teams that are close, but there's a lot of very good teams this year. So this is going to be a fun tournament. Yeah, it is. Ryan? Um, I, I would echo the first round stuff, uh, especially looking early on in the bracketing process, which is where I'm headed as soon as we hang up. We are going to have some unfair first round games, probably on a magnitude we haven't seen in a while, just because there are so many good teams. When you're putting Illinois Wesleyan and River Falls in at the bottom of Pool C, they're going to end up with some tough first round opponents. And uh, we're going to have some, some really great games all the way across. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's going to be wide open. And, and and there's no way to predict Salem. I think there was no way to predict Salem last year. There's no way to predict Salem this year. Uh, Bob, we're going to see you in Salem? Possibly. Um, I'd love to get there. It's the last year of Salem. And you know, Dave, how many times that I have been there. It is a special place. Salem has done such an amazing job. Um, I give a shout out to everybody that has been part of that crew in Salem, Virginia, for making it such a special experience for the student athletes. And I would like to find myself there um, just because it's the last go around. So I hope so, Dave. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. Speaking of which, Carrie, Harvey Cutter comes on the show uh, in between as we get ready for women's selections. So we'll hear from Carrie. Hey, uh, Bob and Ryan, thanks so much. Uh, I guess final thoughts? Let's, um, let's go get them. It should be a great tournament, guys. It's going to be fun. Thanks, thanks for taking the time, Dave, to run this. And Ryan, uh, thanks for having me out with you guys. My, my final thought is just to say I'm sorry because – I feel like we're going to get a bunch of these wrong this year. <laughs> I'm with we're, you, though. I'm with we're you. Gonna, we're going to make a lot of people upset, and we're going to look a little silly tomorrow. But yeah, we did, we did our best, and uh, we mean well. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the disclaimer <laughs> here is ignore half of what we just said. <laughs> guys, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, right. guys. Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott joining us again. I'm scrolling those uh, picks in case you missed them up there in the upper corner for a bit here before we go to break. When we come back, we will hear from Carrie Harvey Cutter of Salem to talk about things. And then we will get into the women's selections about a half hour later than I wanted to. But we will get picking. I think the women's will be a little easier, but we'll get going on those nonetheless. Joining me to do that will be Gordon Mann. Um, who else? Oh, uh, B.J. Spiegelmeyer. And James Wagner. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. When we return, Kerry Harvey Cutter discusses his uh, final year hosting the men's basketball tournament in Salem. Back with more after this. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. 
Something I discovered to myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to the Hoops Hill Special Selection Sunday broadcast. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Uh, we are taking a bit of a break here as we now transition from our men's selection process to our women's mock selection process. We'll get the guys on board here in a moment to start our women's deal. And just as a heads up, if Ryan and or uh, Pat or anybody else who ends up helping them is able to put the men's bracket together while we're still doing women's selections, we'll kind of give you a preview of what we think the men's bracket will look like at the end of the show. Uh, this is a pre-taped segment to allow us to kind of re-tinker things and get things going. Got done with the men's side of things. It seems appropriate enough we should talk about where we're headed on the men's side of things. Once again, for the 22nd year, we are headed to the Roanoke Valley, the city of Salem, Virginia, which has played host to the championships, as you can tell, for a long time and has become synonymous, especially in men's basketball, but in Division Three as well. But it's bittersweet. It is the final time we will head to Salem. Figured we'd take the time to talk to one of our friends of the program. Joining us on, appropriately enough, the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. It is the, let's call him the, the unofficial mayor of City of Salem. It is Kerry Harvey Cutter. Sir, thanks for taking the time. David, it's always good to talk to you. It does make me wonder why it took us 22 years to do it, but that's okay. <laughs> I think we talk a few times. We, we have. <laughs> um, well, again, we should point out, uh, again, pre-tape, so you guys are in the middle of, of hosting the ODAC Championships, which you guys do so uh, well. It's almost a precursor to the Final Four, but the Final Four is cake compared to the ODAC stuff. Um, we're looking forward to being down there once again. I assume you guys are once again looking forward to having everybody there. We are very excited you know, like you said, it's bittersweet because it's the last roundup here in Salem. Uh, but, you know, we're going to put all the effort into it we've done for the previous 21 years. So uh, we're excited. We'll be at the sectional games. We'll have somebody at each, sec each of the four sectional sites to discuss travel and ticketing and hotel information and stuff like that with the four teams that ultimately make the trip to Salem. Yeah, it's, um, uh, again, bittersweet that we're making our final trip here. But the one thing is that you guys have always done is it, it might be our 22nd time there, but you never make it feel like 
oh, we've done this before. You are always trying to up your game, always trying to improve things. And I gathered when I was down there for football, even to the very end, you're not going to let that tradition go to some degree. Anything we can look forward to this year that you guys are trying to pull out? Well, you, 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 you do what you can, and, and you don't drop off. Yeah. Uh, you know, we made a commitment to the NCA, and it's it's basically a contract, and we're going to continue to do uh, what's called for in the agreement, and we've always done a little bit more. We're going, uh, the student banquet will go back again to center in the square. The kids will go down to the pinball museum, and they're not going to sit there for 45 minutes listening to, to windbags talk. So, you know, they, they can have a good time. Uh, we'll do you know the the build up for the games and and everything we do locally to uh entice people to attend locally working with our parks and rec departments and things like that to to get some of those kids to experience the division 3 national championship. Yeah, it's always a wonderful time for the student athletes and I was one of those windbags. I don't blame them necessarily. Uh you don't need to listen to I us. loved it, but and the coaches <laughs> loved it. Oh, I did too. Uh, they yeah. were not participating, but the kids would rather you know, they they want an experience, and, yeah. and we found out last year when we took them to pinball uh, that it was truly an experience for some of those kids. They'd never seen a pinball machine. I, was gonna, I heard some great stories like, yeah. wait, what? How do you do this? Yeah. Uh, welcome to our world. Um, it's actually a, a good retro thing. I think they should have some fun with it. Um, obviously, obviously, the All-Star Game takes place down there as well. You guys have been, have been partners with the NABC to help pull that off. Uh, looking forward to another terrific event down there. And, and again, there's Special Olympics. There's community service. You guys have a full schedule for everybody. We do. From, from the time they get to town, uh, we keep them pretty, pretty much occupied. Uh, I mean, they're here to win a national championship, no question. Right. Uh, but the one thing we've learned, and we've hosted, what, 86 or so national championships, is we've crowned 86 national champions. But there's five, six, seven hundred teams that have come to Salem that have not won a national championship. And we want the experience for those student athletes to be equally enjoyable. They lost the championship. We want them to have had a good experience while they were here. And as long as we've we've hosted, we've kept that in the forefront since that first Ag Bowl in 1993. Yeah, no, I, that's always been the sentiment I've heard, is even those who don't come back with the with the trophy and, and the prize still fond of their experience uh, in Salem. And, of course, and we could talk about this in nauseam, but you guys are also at the forefront of what is now the championship experience across the board in Division Three and even other divisions uh, on what happens at a championship weekend as well. You got I know you take pride in that. We do. I mean, we started the, the student-athlete memento program began in Salem. Uh, with the stag bow and actually softball was our second championship of giving the student athletes a gift bag or memento of the championship. And now that uh, Mark Lewis brought it into the NCA that, that every athlete at every championship, uh, we started out giving the winners caps. Uh, now every championship gets caps and shirts. And so, you know, a lot of those kind of things that, that we were on the cutting edge and getting ahead of uh, have been readily embraced by the association. Yeah, no, it's it's been amazing. And we should point out, Carrie, you guys aren't done here. You will still host other championships. Women's basketball is going to come down to Roanoke College next year. Um, we You host women's lacrosse. You hosted softball. It's not like you're done. It's just unfortunate you're losing the two marquee ones. We're, we're losing the two big events. but and, and we've looked at it this way, is that when, when we, we took football, it was a championship that no one wanted. And 
now it's a championship that everybody wants. And to to a lesser extent, basketball came uh, because football was suddenly getting so much attention. Mm-hmm. And and so we've we've taken those. They're leaving uh, in good graces. You know, we're not mad at anybody. Uh, hopefully, nobody's mad at us. <laughs> They've just decided to go into a different direction and. Uh, and we wish them the best of luck. You guys have always been a class organization as a city and as a as a uh, recreation department uh, um, and and whatnot. Now, you know, it, it comes down to the fact, Dave, that the the sports marketing field and and we we were on the cutting edge of that. Uh, I'm referred to in the in the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, Tourism Sports Virginia is. Depending upon who it is, I'm either the godfather or grandfather of, of sports marketing in Virginia because we've been doing it so long. Yeah. And it's such a personal relationship that you make. Uh, and, and if you have a personal relationship, you don't burn those kind of relationships. Right. Well, and, and that's the amazing part is the one thing I noticed when I was there for football, and I'm, sh- I'm basically hearing behind the scenes it's going on again, is you're working with the next partner. You're helping Shenandoah with football sure understand what you guys do. You're helping Fort Wayne understand this is what we did and why and how we raised the game and and what now everybody is expected to do. You yeah, you're not necessarily sitting there, you know, punching yourself and, and kicking the ground going, ah, forget it. We're not we're, gonna be helpful. We're division we're NCA division three fans. Yeah. We're fans of the athletes and the fans of the programs. And I talk, and in fact, I talked to a group this morning that that my wife's in Wisconsin, but I have more friends in places in Wisconsin than she does because of <laughs> visiting all of those school campuses yeah. up through there, from from Platteville to La Crosse. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it, but a wonderful moment at halftime uh, of the Stag Bowl where they honored yourself, Brad Bankston, and others, uh, John Saunders, for the work you guys have done since 1993 uh, with these championships. Even guys gave you basically championship rings. Uh, I knew you guys knew something was up, but what were your thoughts on, well, on that we, honor? We didn't have a clue it was that. Yes. Uh, you know, we <laughs> thought we'd get a little plaque or something. Yeah. Uh, but to get those wonderful rings, John Shaner with Salem Parks and Rec coordinated that. Uh, he single-handedly raised the money locally. It wasn't paid for by the NCAA. Wow. He got the approvals from the NCAA. And, and John has been involved in 24 of 25 years of championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so John Saunders, Brad Bankston, Kerry Harvey Cutter got with Austin's. And at the Salem Rotary Club meeting week before last, we presented John a ring. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that it, it was it was over-the-top uh it is a it is a beautiful ring, quite gaudy. It's not something you're going to wear to school every day. <laughs> no, uh, but you know it is something. I'll you'll probably see me one day at uh, at the D three championship wearing. You should, you should, sir. Uh, as long as you got security around you. Um, well, I'd be more worried if I hit somebody, I might kill him. <laughs> I've seen the rings, not so, necessarily so be, yours, so but be those very like, nice yeah. to me, Mr. Yeah, I will, I will. I trust me, I'll be on my best yeah. best behavior. I, I've got a, a coaster in front of me that we use on every show when I'm drinking something, and it's from Salem, and it reminds me of what you guys have contributed to this. Again, your D3 fans, you will still be involved. It may not be with the Marquis, um, but at some point, if you're a fan of Division Three, whether you're a coach or a fan or or whatever, what do people need to know to come to Salem this year for their for their final run? What where should they get information and all that kind of stuff? Uh, they can go to the ODAC website, uh, odaconline.com. Uh, there is a link there for all the national championships that the conference 
post with the city of Salem. Uh, and on that is ticket information. There is information uh, about hotels and, and meals and, and all those kind of things. Uh, and one thing we've been pushing out is in honor of the uh, the 22nd year and due to tournament weekend and the bracketology and everything that's going on, uh, right now we're running a buy one, get one free till Tuesday morning. Oh, there we go. So you can get a... Uh, a GA ticket right now, they're $25 for the two days, but if you go to Ticketmaster.com for NCAA D3 basketball, you can get two tickets for 25 that's Or you can come to the Civic Center if you're you're close by and save the, the fees. There you go. Uh, that's an outstanding deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can answer this. Uh, I'm putting you a little bit on the spot, but would we ever see Salem bid again for football and basketball and maybe get them back again, or is it way too soon to make that determination? It'll be somebody probably other than me. I yeah. don't think that in three or four years I'll be looking to do bid things. But, you know, I didn't think I'd be around necessarily this time. <laughs> That's uh, fair. But I think football, there would be a distinct possibility. I think in the case of basketball, uh, unless we could fit it into Roanoke College and their new facility, uh, the, the Salem Civic Center is an aging facility. It mm-hmm. opened in 67, so it's 50 years old. Uh, it's been kept up well, but it it is aging. Yeah, and uh, and so I would say that uh, would probably be a long shot. But then we have the the Roanoke Civic Center. The challenge there is that fixed seating in the bowl there is probably six thousand. So we don't need that kind of numbers for Division Three. Yeah, yeah. There's always challenges and loopholes. We'll see. Obviously, we have a few years before sure. we even get and, to that. And point. next year, Ferrum College, the mm-hmm. uh, the joining ODAC, will be hosting the. Uh, D three wrestling championships in Roanoke. Yeah, no, I forgot. So you know, we're not we're not backing away. No. Uh, we're hosting conference championships. We, do, you know, as you said, today is ODAC men's and women's basketball. We do ODAC uh, softball. We do ODAC indoor track today as well. Yeah. Uh, and we host a number of Division two championships with the Mountain East Conference and the CIAA. Yep, and and again, soccer and lacrosse and oh, softball, yeah. even baseball. Eh, no, not baseball. I don't want to go off on that one. But you guys have hosted a number of sports, we, and I, we, we continue we hosted, to expect it. Uh, baseball, volleyball, soccer, men's and women's, lacrosse, D2, D3, softball, football, men's basketball, next year's women's, women's basketball. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've probably hosted more than anybody else around. Oh, absolutely. Um, sir, I would be remiss if I didn't say also our thanks from the show's point of view for the City of Salem support. You guys have been wonderful over the last I don't even remember how many years of supporting us with the hotline or the school of the week sponsorship. We've always loved coming to Salem. We will miss coming to Salem technically for men's basketball. I have a feeling I'll be in Salem for other things, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't take this chance of thanking you guys for supporting us as well. Well, Dave, I've, I've said this to many people and it is, it is true that D three hoops and hoopsville have done more to get the word out about Division Three men's and women's basketball than anyone at all, including the NCAA, because you live it, you breathe it every single day, and it's never a second-class operation. You always do it first class, uh, and, and you, you push the word out, and, and you know, we appreciate that. 
Well, thank you. You guys have also pushed us, especially myself, to do a better job. I mean, we go courtside now, live, between games, which is just a thrill for us. That's so. worked out really nice. It has. It's been a nice a the nice. The end bonus. zone at football was a lot of fun. Oh, that was a lot of fun until the light crashed on my head this year. But that's a whole other conversation. Well, you know, it's <laughs> proper planning. We, oh, I tried. That darn wind. <laughs> yeah, it, um, was, it, was, it was windy. It was very windy. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Really look forward to being down there in a few weeks. Uh, we will make sure to po- uh, to push the two-for-one deal here through Tuesday. In the meantime, as always, though, and you know this, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? It's the last time in Salem. It's a great opportunity to come see outstanding Division Three men's basketball. Perfect. And I will add also outstanding hospitality. Sir, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Kerry Harvey Cutter joining us on the appropriately named City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. I have a feeling we'll talk to Kerry during one of those pregame shows down in Salem as well. Uh, When we come back, we'll get started on the women's mock selections. You're watching the Hoopsville special presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the City of Salem. Back after this.